raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. I should have stayed home and played with myself. What do you like to do? Oh, I don't know. Play chess? Screw? Well, let's play chess. The Indianapolis Colts select Anthony Richardson. Quarterback, Florida. Richardson going to take off and run. He's in there. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. The first career touchdown. Here's Halliburton into the front court. Mishandled it, but gets a shot. Hits yeah. it. Hits it. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Hope you're enjoying your Wednesday. Brian No in for JMV. I still, it's Wednesday. The All-Star game was Sunday. It still blows my mind that Babyface is 64 years old. That's, that's the t- the first thing at the top of my my list right now. It's wild. You know, I will have plenty of opinions for you today. Like, that's the business I'm in. I'm in the business of sharing opinions. But every now and then, I like to ask people what they think on the show. I do that all the time off the show. You would be surprised. If you bumped into me and there's no show going on, 90% of the conversation will be me asking you what you think. Because I'm just curious like that. And if I'm not doing a show, it's not like I'm just spewing opinions left and right. But same sort of thought as far as this goes. I, I was just thinking about All-Star Weekend. And I wanted to expand on that. Where I, my mind, for whatever reason, just went to this place. What's the biggest moment for like that a, a sporting event has been like as far as a, a sporting event goes that is rolled through Indianapolis, right? So think of a it's almost like the All Star Weekend is a good example. They don't come to Indianapolis every single year, right? They were in Indy this year. They'll be wherever next year. They'll be wherever the next year after that, right? It's just it's like the circus. It comes to town for a little bit, and then it goes to the next town. As far as something like that, what has been the biggest moment for any sporting event that's rolled through Indianapolis? And I wanted to say biggest moment, because if you say, what's the biggest sporting event? Well, obviously, it's the Super Bowl. What's bigger than the Super Bowl? So Super Bowl Forty Six was in Indy. And so it got me thinking, okay, if you're thinking about just a moment, and again... Put certain things to the side. It doesn't apply to this conversation, at least not yet. If you think of the Indy 500, well, that's a mainstay. It's it's the Indy 500, right? So that doesn't count. Anything with the Indiana Pacers, they're in Indianapolis. Any huge shot that Reggie Miller hit, and I can still see in my mind against the Bulls where Randy Brown who is a bench player just kind of walking along the baseline and watching the shot go in and then Reggie's twirling around. 
any of those moments, put it to the side for right now. The Indiana Pacers are a mainstay in Indianapolis. The biggest moment for any sporting event that's rolled through Indianapolis. Now, I was at the national championship game a couple of years ago when Georgia beat Alabama. I got COVID <laughs> with that experience, but but I'm happy I went. You know, I was sitting, my tickets coincidentally were in the Georgia section, and man, those fans were living and freaking dying with everything that was going on in that game. But I was trying to think, was there just this huge moment? Bryce Young, the Smurf, now with the Carolina Panthers, he did throw a pick six in that game, but... Would you put that at the top of the list? I, I think you could have it on the list, but at the top of the list? I was thinking about Super Bowl Forty Six. Is Manning to Manningham? Is that the biggest moment for any sporting event that's rolled through Indianapolis? It's really just a question at this point. Because, I'll be honest, you guys are going to know way more about the overall history of any sporting event that's rolled through Indianapolis. And there are things that I might have seen over the years that I don't, for whatever reason, just quite connect to Indianapolis. I wasn't living there at the time. I didn't go to the game. You know, all of those sorts of things. And so that, that's the first place my mind went, outside of Babyface still being 64 years old, which is just crazy to me. <laughs> it's would you put any moment above Manning to Manningham? That was Super Bowl 46. That was when the Giants beat the Patriots again to win the Super Bowl. And Eli Manning had this beautiful deep ball throw along the sideline to Mario Manningham. Was that the biggest moment? And again, it's very important for right now. For any sporting event that's rolled through Indianapolis. So at first I think there's got to be something bigger than Manning to Manningham, right? And then I start thinking, well, if you're eliminating the Indy 500, you're eliminating the Indiana Pacers, you're just talking about sporting events that roll through town, you know? Then all of a sudden you get to Bryce Young's pick six and... Think about anything else that has rolled through Indianapolis. Could be a Final Four. I was at the uh, Final Four... What was it, 2015, I want to say? I, uh, it's funny. I, uh, I did a show. Um, I, I finished my radio show and hightailed it over to the arena. And, well, it was a stadium that turned into an arena, right? It was at Lucas Oil. But I hightailed it over there. And I, I'm trying to remember how it went exactly. I got there for the Kentucky-Wisconsin game. And I can't remember the timeline of... Which game was first, right? That was the Saturday night where there's the doubleheader in the Final Four. Can't remember which was which, you know? But I got there toward the tail end of one game and got to see the better part of the next game. Or maybe I just saw the tail end of Wisconsin and Kentucky. I can't remember. <laughs> but, right, there have been Final Fours. There have been, you know a college football national championship game. There's been a Super Bowl. There's been huge events. And then I mean, you know, the all-star game on Sunday is right up there with all those. <laughs> but 
But I'm curious if you guys will help me out with this one. I would love to have a working list of what is the biggest moment for any sporting event that's rolled through Indianapolis. I'll go out to the phones here. I'm not afraid. We'll get crazy right away. Rob is on the line. Wants to check in. Rob, you're on the fan. What's going on, man? Um, the first event, first event that really comes to my mind, like from a worldwide perspective, to roll through is the was the World Basketball Championships in '02, and it was like the first time the U.S. had lost in forever, basically. And if I remember, I don't even think they got bronze. Right? They finished like fifth place in that event, and that was all here. Um, I think from a worldwide perspective, that's probably the biggest event that I can think of, just because you know the Final Fours and even really the Super Bowl, they're not as worldwide as basketball. Basketball, probably the second most popular sport worldwide, and all those other countries kind of seeing, hey, we can beat America. I think that was a big moment that happened here. Do you, can you think, um, Rob, can you think of a, like a signature moment from that, from the World Basketball Championships rolling through? Um, I, well, I think it was Yugoslavia. Was that, I don't even know if they were called Yugoslavia at that time. I think that was the first team that beat us. And um, if I remember right, there was like a camera shot that was, um, I said Lamar Odom. And this, there's this kind of a, like, before viral was viral, there was like that camera shot of, I want to say it was Lamar Odom if he was on that team. Um, that's the moment that stands out to me, that first camera shot after that first loss in, um, when it eliminated Team USA. Um, but, uh, yeah, I kind of see your point, though. They're not being that one defining moment as that was more of a couple of weeks that maybe opened the world's eyes. Yeah. No. I, hey, listen, I appreciate you checking in. That's obviously a, a mammoth event, you know, to roll through town. I, I just think that if you get into the events, man, it's hard to top the Super Bowl. So I'm more into the moments. Like, what was the biggest moment uh, for a sporting event that's rolled through Indianapolis. Not a mainstay in Indianapolis, but I appreciate that. I do have a random Lamar Odom story for you guys, if you would like to hear it. I don't know if you care about this or not, but it's kind of funny. So I was working in Fresno, California, and the flagship for the Lakers in L.A. hit us up, and they were like, hey, there's a preseason game there in Fresno. Can you just go and get some audio so we can use it for our next broadcast. And they would reach out to me. They did that a couple of years. And I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll go there. And so I went and interviewed Lamar Odom after this preseason basketball game. And I'm standing by his locker, and he went from being a starter to the sixth man. That was the deal going into that season. And so I asked him a question. I was just like, hey, Lamar, I mean, how'd you feel? Coming off the bench in that sixth man role, did you like it? Was it okay? That sort of thing. <laughs> and Lamar started talking, and midway through it, it's dawning on me, the way he's looking at me, what he's saying, just his mannerisms, he was pissed. <laughs> and I was just like midway like, oh, shoot, this went sideways real fast. I was literally just asking, hey, man, how's this new role treating you you know and i i don't know he uh he did not take kindly to it <laughs> got a little upset with me and that was that it was really the whole lamar odom story right there but i always think about lamar after that funny stuff uh, let's go back out to the phones drew is on the line looking for the biggest moment for any sporting event that's rolled through indianapolis what's going on drew, drew? hey 
How you doing? Um, I think, you know, with Indiana being Indiana high school basketball king um, across the country, is the 1990 state championship game where Damon Bailey and the Bedford North Lawrence Stars beat Concord in front of 41,000 people at the Hoosier Dome. Uh, the Stars were down by six points with about two and a half minutes to go, and Damon then scored the final 11 points of the game uh, for a 63-60 to win. I would put that right up there with uh, top moments as a pinnacle of the Indiana high school basketball with 41,000 people uh, attending that game. I appreciate that, man. That's cool. That's a great uh, entry to the list right there. I can remember, man, on TV watching some of those huge high school games. That was a big deal. I was I was a, a little bit younger at the time, and I don't know what it is when you're younger where things are just kind of a bigger deal. Sports. I'm not saying sports is a smaller deal now, but I don't know. It just it hits you differently. Uh, it's similar to music. You know, music has always been a huge part of my life, but there's something about growing up and you're a teenager. It's like this song just hits you in a certain way where you're like, yes, that is exactly what I'm trying to say right there. So, yeah, I remember those times and there were some epic high school games from those uh, state championships. So, yeah, Damon Bailey, add that to the list. Let me see here. We've got uh, Sean is up next. Man, you guys are – props to you guys. You're all over this. Sean, you're on the fan. What's going on? Hey, what's up? Um, you mentioned the Final Four, uh, I think, back in 2015. The, the one moment that always sticks, sticks out to me is that undefeated Kentucky team losing on Sam Decker's three-pointer with, like, less than a minute to go. Um, you know, that was a team that had a chance to take down the, the record set by the 76 Hoosiers. And, and to have that, that chance denied in Indianapolis, I always thought was kind of cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a big moment. There's no doubt. And think how legendary that would have been for Cal and Kentucky if they closed the deal. They were so loaded. And, yeah, that's, that's a great entry there, Sean. Appreciate that, man. Uh, funny random story. I don't know what it is with these. I'll, I'll add a little tidbit. So I was at that game. And uh, afterward, it was, sorry, it was the championship game. It's when Duke won the title the next, you know, uh, couple of nights, right? On Monday night, I went to that game. And so I went onto the court after the game and Tracy Wolfson was there from CBS. And I was going to go up and be like, hey, Trace, what's going on? But I'm like, don't be an idiot. She's working. Okay. Don't be that guy like, hey, you're Tracy Wolfson. (laughs) So I didn't say anything. And so years later... I was hosting a local show in Portland and we had her on as a guest and I told her that story and she was super nice. She was basically like, I wouldn't have blown you off. That was the other part of it. I was like, you're working. I thought you might have just blown me off. She's like, I wouldn't have done that. She seems super nice. I totally believe her. Um, Kurt is on the line looking for the biggest moment, the biggest moment for any sporting event that's rolled through Indianapolis What's going on, Kurt? You're on the fan. Well, I think it was 2010. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I appreciate you taking the call, but I believe it was 2010 national championship. Gordon Hayward coming down to take the shot that could have won it mm. for Butler uh, yeah. against the uh, evil blue Duke Blue Demons. So I don't know how anything locally uh, or uh, Indiana, uh, you know, tied into the earlier comment about high school you know gordon hayward playing high school ball in indiana and now he's coming down to win the national championship and then a a close second and i'll throw this out there uh was the formula one fiasco which i was at 
um, paid way too much money to see, I don't know, five or ten laps. When they uh, the tire fiasco, when they pretty much ended the race and had like four or five cars running, it was it was the most ridiculous thing, which probably uh, soured F1 in Indianapolis for eternity, I hope. Yeah. But uh, but number one would have to be the uh, the Gordon Hayward unfortunate miss uh, as far as a, a moment for a big deal coming through Indianapolis. Yeah, no, I hear you on that. I appreciate you uh, checking in, Kurt. It's obviously a monster moment. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And just think if that shot went in against Duke. <laughs> it would have been legendary, and it's still – an epic ending to the game with it almost going down. I think it's got to be on the short list. I, I, I got to be honest with you. I think that I think there are two things going on here. One could be think of movies this way. You might have your personal top five movies, but I think your list of these are the best five movies of all time. It might be a different list. You understand what I'm saying? You might have what hits you and what appeals to you the most. For instance, I love The Hangover. I think it's absolutely hysterical. I wouldn't then say my list of the top five greatest movies of all time, it includes The Hangover. You know, it's just a different thing. And so I think it can be like this when we're doing the lists where some of these things are are big moments, and they might have resonated a bit more with you. The high school basketball stuff is a good example. And it's a big, big deal in Indianapolis in the state of Indiana. I totally get that. But if you're broadening it a little bit more, can you say that Damon Bailey was the bigger moment than Eli Manning and the Giants taking down Tom Brady and the Patriots and the Manning to Manningham deal? when I don't know how many millions of people were watching Super Bowl 46, a lot, you know? I, I just don't think you can put that over Manning to Manningham. But uh, I'm, I'm all up for suggestions over here. I'm Brian Noen for JMV. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. By the way, we'll have John Rabjohns talking IU hoops at 3.30. We'll get to that soon. And also uh, Kevin Bowen, KB. At 4 o'clock, we'll get to him as well. Uh, let's go out to, let's see, Mark. Mark is on the fan, wants to chime in. Let's go, Mark. What do you have for me, man? Hey, Brian, great topic. Um, this may not resonate with all, but as I'm driving along, I'm thinking, okay, what happened in India or central Indiana that would be an outlier? And the one that popped in my head immediately was John Daly at Crooked Stick. Um, arguably the only major ever played in the state of Indiana. And if, you know, if major championships are considered elite, which they are, Mm. uh, if if you remember this story now, it was 1991. So it was 33 years ago, if my math is right, but he drove all night from Arkansas was like the 12th alternate. I don't, I don't know how many tour events he'd even played in drove all night and, four days later was holding a trophy uh, for winning the PGA championship. And if you've ever been to crooked stick, it's, it's decorated and chronicled throughout the, the clubhouse, the facility. And of course, John ended up, I mean, I think you could argue, 
you know, good, bad, or otherwise, he's a remarkable figure based on the life he's led post-1991. So, um, and again, I think golf is a popular sport. There's a ton of basketball games that come to mind. You know, you realize Gordon Hayward hit a shot to beat Marion in the boys' state finals at the buzzer his senior year in high school, even before he set foot at Butler. So, I mean, you know, he missed the one against Duke, remarkable, but he did, in fact, hit one as a senior in high school for Brownsburg. I was at that game. I happened to be from Marion. Um, so the, the the Crooked Stick Major Championship, I, I think people that follow golf would, would appreciate that one. No, I like that. Great, great topic. Great topic. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, it does. You know, it's cool to have a list and kind of compare, contrast, and try to rank stuff, but – if you just pause for a second and say, just think about all the monster moments that have occurred in Indianapolis. And we're talking about sporting events that just roll through town, not mainstays, not the Indy 500, not the Pacers, not that sort of thing. Just events that roll through town. And <laughs> you've got moments like that. It's pretty crazy. It really is. Um I, I don't know. I got to apologize. I don't know what's wrong with my reading ability as of late. I literally have it written down. Jeff Rabjohns. I don't know how. I don't know what I said. I, I, did I go John Rabjohns, James? Yeah, you did call him John. I go, you know what else I did? So um, we'll get to this story a little bit later. Kenny Smith of TNT, he doubled down with his comments about Sabrina Ionescu when it was Steph versus Sabrina. And, um, when I was setting up that story a couple of days ago, I accidentally said, okay, so the men's three-point line, because this was Kenny Smith's point, the men's three-point line is 23 feet, I forget, nine inches, I think. The women's line is 30 feet, six inches. And the, <laughs> the person I was doing the show with, they're like, you mean 20 feet? I was like, what did I say? I said 30 feet. I'm looking right down at my notes. It says 20 feet. I don't know what's wrong. I'm looking at Jeff Rob, Rab Johns. It turns into John Rab Johns. I, I got issues over here is what's happening. All right, let's get out to the phones. Um, let's go to BTR. I'm always fond of initials here. BTR, what is going on? Hey, Brian. Uh, I love what you do always. And a fellow metalhead. That's what I like uh, to hear. Who's your go-to band? Oh, there are several. Metallica, Megadeth, uh, Love Diamond Daryl, God Bless His Soul, uh, several others. Um, as far as events that go through here and the way this city rolls is when they put together the whole NCAA tournament, was that back in 2020, 2021? Yeah, I, I don't know. The uh, which Which moment are you talking about? The entire tournament that took place here in the state of Indiana. So are you, I don't understand. Are you talking about the big dance or are you talking about something else? The big dance. The entire tournament took place here in Indiana, didn't it? But that college basketball tournament? Yes. I don't know which year Dur exactly. I think he's saying during COVID when it was in like oh, the right. when they brought everything into Indianapolis and they just did it all during that. Right. Okay. I got you. I'm with you. But, yeah, I mean, Indy, I don't know, a lot of media people I hear over the years that, you know, including you, you used to live around here, but 
uh, a lot of the media people that Indianapolis is a great host city for anything that would come around here. Yeah. Would you not agree? Oh, yeah, and I'm with you, uh, BTR, and thanks for checking in, man. I hear you on the the COVID uh, big dance because I remember that, where they spaced it out, right, James? They would have some games at, at, that, like, um, uh, they'd have them at, maybe at, like, Butler. I think they had some at IU, mm-hmm. didn't I think, they? I believe so, yes. Yeah, they kind of spaced them out here and there. It was sort of like what we'll see with the World Cup. <laughs> in a couple of years where it's now it's spaced out between you know America like the US a little bit in Canada a little bit in Mexico right but it's it's North America right it's the same concept but on a much smaller scale with Indianapolis with that big dance but uh yeah that was uh they pulled it off man you know that was a crazy time when the world shut down we've got a little bit of time let's get to Curtis here Curtis, what's on your mind? You're on the fan. Hey, uh, I'm going to go back to the year I graduated in high school. It was 1980 uh, when they had uh, the final four here in Indianapolis at Marcus Square Arena. They had uh, Louisville Cardinals, Iowa Hawkeyes, UCLA, and Purdue all in the final four, and that's the year Louisville won. Man, that's a, were you there, Curtis? Did you go? Uh, no, I watched it on TV. It's a good memory, though, man. Do you remember the seeds and everything? <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Uh, I don't. And that was Louisville's first uh, first uh, title that they won. Under, I think it was under Denny Crum. Yeah, remember? I always loved Denny Crum with the, uh, the like the wadded up piece of paper he had. I don't know if it was right. a program or what he had going on there, but that was the Denny Crum staple. It's kind of like uh, Jerry Tarkanian biting the the towel. He just like wad up right. the little program there. Yeah, absolutely, man. Legend. Exactly, yes. I kind of cheated because I couldn't remember all of it, so I went back and Googled it, and I found the full teams. I knew Purdue played in it against UCLA. Hey, man, nothing so, wrong with Google, Curtis. Appreciate that, so, man. Thanks for checking no, no. in. No good. problem. Have a good day. You too. Okay. Uh, let's talk some IU hoops. We'll revisit this. You know, if we didn't quite get to you, I'll try to get to uh, anybody else who wants to chime in. I always love being interactive over here. Uh, James, do you think it would be upsetting if I go John Rabjeffs? Would he be upset with that based on my horrible reading ability? Uh, I don't... If, you want, if you want to take that risk, go right ahead. <laughs> It's Ooh, good by content. The way, by the way, with BTR, I've got a random Metallica Megadeth little uh, nugget for you that I literally just discovered last night. I'm way late to the party, but I discovered something learning a song, and I'm like, holy cow, it, it blew my mind. And you as a guitarist, James, you'd probably appreciate this. I think you would. Well, I will uh, await this story with bated breath. Absolutely, man. All right, we've got Jeff Rabjohns talking IU hoops coming up. I'm Brian, though, in for JMV. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. 
Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Let me have a Diablo sandwich, a Dr. Pepper, make it fast. I'm in a damn hurry. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I'm Brian Noe in for JMV. 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Pleased to welcome in Jeff Rabjohns. Covers IU hoops for peaks.com. So, Jeff, um, I, you know what? Let's, let's start on a positive note here, right? Because IU 14 and 11, it's been disappointing. There's been a lot of criticism. Have you heard any common criticisms of the team that you think goes a little bit too far, a little unfair in your opinion? Um, I mean, I don't know. I think some of the stuff that I see occasionally on social media uh, is a little nasty, but during these times, that's, that happens on social media. You know, social media kind of becomes almost like a bathroom wall at a biker's bar. I mean, it's just, you know, <laughs> people just don't have any filter at all. Um, so I don't know. I just don't really pay attention to that kind of stuff. But it's it just it is what it is. But it's just it doesn't really matter. Man, yeah, the bathroom wall of a biker bar. That is an outstanding uh, description of what Twitter can or X can turn into at times. Man, I I might have to steal that from you. Feel free, feel free. Yeah, no copyright, <laughs> nothing. It's out there. It's out there. Everybody can borrow. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, if you were to list, Jeff, say your top two reasons why the season has been a disappointment for Indiana, what would you say those reasons are? Uh, number one, guard play. They just haven't gotten enough good guard play. And a lot of that is, is Xavier um, being being hurt, being out, and asking a freshman to start. Um, and, you know, Gabe Cups just isn't ready for this. And that's not Gabe Cups' fault. You know, he was not brought in to be a starting point guard in the Big Ten as a freshman. So this isn't his fault. Um, so I would start with guard play, and I would lump Xavier Johnson's injury into the guard play category because he's not out there. He's not playing. And I, I think the second thing is, um, you know, they just I, – I, I think it's a shooting problem. You know, you, you don't have enough guys to, you know, who can go out there and make threes. And you kind of, you know, that's almost like a shooting problem slash roster construction. You know, they went out during the off season instead of getting multiple guards and wings who could shoot. You got a backup center in Peyton Sparks and a backup power forward in Anthony Walker. What what are what did you expect Sparks and Walker to do to impact winning in the Big Ten? I mean, I just thought it, it didn't make any sense. You know, and that's nothing against those guys as people; they're great people. But I'm talking positionally and skill set. Indiana would be far better served if those two, those two uh, off-season acquisitions were guards or wings. Then Xavier goes down. You've got two other guys. Maybe you've got a combo guard who can handle the ball, who's a junior or a senior or a fifth-year senior. Maybe you've got another wing, you know, uh, who can actually, like, break down the opponent, um, get shots, slash, create. Um, so I think, to me, I think those are the two biggest things. If you want to talk about cat- categories that really impacted IU having a bad season, those are the things that stand out, I think, the most. I'm not saying those are the only things. It's like that old Mike Ditka quote when he was asked about the Bears' defense when it was terrible one year. 
He said, there is not one thing wrong with the defense. There are many. And that's mm-hmm. kind of where it is with IU's roster right now. Yeah. Um, we just look where they're at. I mentioned 14 and 11, 6 and 8 in conference play. Uh, did you anticipate it being like this? Uh, what were your expectations compared to the reality for IU this season? No, I mean, Woodson spent the offseason talking about how they were going to play more four out, one in. Um, I'd seen enough of McKenzie and Blanco. I knew that if you unleash him, you'd have a double-figure score, um, which they finally did later on. And, you know, he's now second-leading scorer in the Big Ten among freshmen, 11.3 points per game. But I thought they were going to unleash him early. I thought they were going to run, you know, ball screen stuff, get X going downhill, and have him kick it out. Uh, I thought Trey Galloway's shooting from last year would at least continue to some degree. Not saying 40-plus percent, but still, you know, it's, if you're shooting over 40 percent, you need to shoot more. And I thought they would increase his volume of threes. That hasn't happened. I thought with the defensive length on the front court, they'd be able to create some pressure. That hasn't happened. I thought with the defensive length on the front court, they'd be an outstanding rebounding team. That hasn't happened. So there, there are a lot of things that, that are that – are, that are below expectations right now for, for, for Indiana basketball for this season. If you look um, in the Big Ten Conference in general, would you say, is there a team that is a greater um, surprise in a good way than IU has been a big surprise in a bad way? Does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would say... Northwestern probably would come the closest to falling into that category. Um, you know, they're they're top forty in the country in Bartorvik, um, nine and six in the conference. Uh, they've got a couple nice road wins, so I think they're probably the team that that, that jumps out. and And the fact that they're still winning with Ty Berry out is really impressive. Um, and I mean, they won at Indiana. Ty Berry was out. Boo Booey starts 0 for 8 from the field. And Northwestern's up 16 with 6 and change to play. It was pretty unbelievable. I mean, they've done a good job. And if Chris Collins can get this team into the tournament, you got to consider him for, like, at least getting some Coach of the Year votes. Because to me, Coach of the Year, uh, you know, sometimes it's the person who overachieved. Matt Painter's done the best job by far with – the program of anybody in the Big Ten. He's done the best job. That thing is very consistent. What they do is sustainable. Roster construction is is, is what he wants. They were a little young in the backcourt last year, but those things happen. Um, but I think as far as overachieving on a positive, I probably lean Northwestern. Yeah. He's Jeff Rabjohns joining us here on The Fan. Uh, what are you hoping for? You know, like, give me the, the realistic hope and the, you know, the pie in the sky, kind of like uh, augmented. Well, <laughs> this might be a little bit rich, but I, I'm hoping for this pie in the sky for IU from here on out. Oh, you mean you for Indiana for the rest of the season? Just the rest of the season, yeah. Oh, uh, man, I mean, if they get three more wins, then that's, you know, that, that, that I think that's probably, you know, pretty good job. I mean, they're underdogs in every remaining game. Um, even tonight at home against Nebraska, uh, Nebraska's favored. And, I mean, I'm talking about the, the predictive analytics. I'm not talking Vegas. I'm talking mm-hmm. the actual math. And so if they get three more wins, I think that'd be 
that, that's probably about as good as it can get. Uh, and I'm not too sure they can get three more. Um, they can beat Nebraska, but they've also already lost to Nebraska. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. And then at Penn State, I don't know what's going on, but Indiana has all of a sudden decided that they can't play well at Penn State. Um, you know, Wisconsin's playing very well, playing at Maryland. You know, Maryland's had its ups and downs, but it's sort of kind of where Indiana is a little bit. Um, but that's a road game. Minnesota on the road, then Michigan State at home. I mean, it, it's hard to look at the way Indiana is playing and and really predict three wins. So I think if they won three more the rest of the way, I'm sure people don't like hearing it. That's probably about as good as it's going to get. Man, I hate to say this, but you piqued my gambling interest over here. So if I'm reading you right, <laughs> right, with Nebraska and IU, are we taking the one and a half with the Cornhuskers? Maybe a little Nebraska go big red money line? Is that what's going on here tonight? Uh, you know, I I don't I don't I really don't bet on uh on basketball or football or much at all. Um so only because I like my money in my pocket. I'm cheap. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I don't know. I, I think Indiana's been so <clears throat> it's so inconsistent. I don't know what the betters would say. I don't know how Indiana's done against the spread. Um again, I'm not really just it's not really really my world. Um, so I, I, but I would be, Indiana has been so inconsistent. It would, I would be very cautious before gambling my money on them being consistent down the stretch. <laughs> I hear you. Did you catch Rick Pitino blasting his St. John's team? Did yeah, you hear any yeah. of that? Well, they're not very athletic. Yeah. 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 What do you think the reaction from the IU faithful would be if Mike Woodson blasted his IU team the same way. Well, I mean, he's he's already starting to criticize players by name. You know, after the uh, Northwestern game on the radio with Don Fisher, he said Malik Renault was terrible. Hmm. Um, he's called out players by names in a couple other losses. He's called out the guards. Um, he's called out Trey Galloway. So he has he hasn't gone quite as demonstrative. And put together like an entire five, six, seven paragraph rant, but but he has called guys out. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, it, it's one thing if you call guys out if if like there's something really you know they need to be called out. But like if it sounds like you're just blaming them, like oh everything was great but so and so didn't play well, that sounds more like blame rather than we need to rebound better. You know, I need to get him in position to get him the ball. You know, when when, when you just Single out guys. Sometimes it just sounds like the blame game, and I'm not too sure that's ideal. You know, I don't know that that's something as coaches, you know, you want to have the reputation for doing, because this isn't the NBA. You don't get draft picks. You can't automatically sign free agents. You have to recruit players to your team, and the good players have options besides you. So you really want to make sure that you're thinking about the big picture when you make some post game comments to the media. Um, at least if I was someone's consigliere, that would be a point that I would make. But everybody's can do it their own way. But I, I Patino's rant when I when I when I heard like the one little snippet, it sounded bad. But in the whole, it didn't sound terrible. Mm-hmm. It really didn't. I mean, clearly, I think I'm in the minority on that. But he was just genuinely saying we're not very athletic, and, and there's a whole bunch of things we can't do because we're not very athletic. I'm like, well, that's true, Rick. You also kind of put this roster together. I think they got what like six, seven new players, something like that. And so it's like, what did you expect you were getting with some of those dudes? I mean, I covered some of those dudes in AAU. No, they're not very athletic. 
So did you think you were going to like, you know, dip them in the East River and, you know, <laughs> magically make them, you know, <laughs> an athlete? Um, yeah. I don't know, but I, I didn't think it was terrible. I really didn't. It, it wasn't great, but the fact that he came out and said it's the least enjoyable year ever, mm-hmm. that sounded a little selfish. But the other comments really were just basketball comments. They were just very direct. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I've i got a, a different view on it, but I hear you. I hear your argument. I think that it was just a compilation. You know what I mean? If he would have said one or two things, it's like, okay, he's a bit upset. He just went on a diatribe. You know what I mean? So I think that's why <laughs> right. it caught yeah so much attention there. Uh, before you yeah, go, Jeff, that's yeah, let's bookend it with a, I love your biker bar comment there. With a, <laughs> you know, Twitter can turn into that. Do you have any favorite biker bars in the Indianapolis area or beyond? I'm just curious. I, I'm always up for a new experience here. I I don't know if there are any. I'm sure there are somewhere. I just don't know where they are. I, I really don't. I uh, I yeah, that's, that's a good question, but that's not something that uh, is in my wheelhouse, so to speak. Okay. Well, maybe if we visit again, you've uh, you know you've come across one or two of them. And we'll, we'll circle back to this. How's that? There you go, man. There you go. There you go. There you Perfect. Go. Well, fun hanging with you, Jeff. Thanks for your time today, man. Hope you have a good evening. Appreciate it, man. You too. We'll talk to you soon. All right, man. There he is. Jeff Rabjohns. Covers IU hoops for peaks.com. Good stuff. Really good stuff. Like it. Yeah. Um, IU taking on Nebraska. I've randomly seen. I, I don't know how this happened. I saw Nebraska play a college football game against Illinois last season. And then it was just a week or two ago, I went and I saw Illinois play a college basketball game. They were hosting Nebraska. It was strange. One of the best uh, fan chants, though, I have to say, in all college athletics, I don't know if you guys have been around this, but they did this at the football game the whole time. There'd be one guy that will yell, Go Big Red! And then the whole crowd is like, Go Big Red! They do it all the time. It was it's hypnotizing over there. You know, I almost turned into a Huskers fan for a little while there. They're into it, man. Passionate. Uh, but we'll see if I, you can take them down. Okay, right around the corner. On one hand, this makes sense. On the other hand, it makes absolutely no sense. Big change in the college football landscape. I'll uh, weigh in on that. Uh, weigh in on that right around the corner. I'm Brian. Though in for JMV, it's 93.5 and 107.5. The fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the play play slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba da ba ba ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. He's my best friend. He's my pal. He's my homeboy. My rotten soldier. He's my sweet cheese. My good time boy. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I'm Brian Noen for JMV here on The Fan. So 
We've got unanimous approval in the college football playoff. Going to be 12 teams. We knew that in the playoff. The 5 plus 7 model has been approved. So that means the five highest ranked conference champions and the next seven highest ranked teams. That will comprise the 12 teams in the playoff. Now, here's the thing with Notre Dame. Now, I'm from South Bend. I bleed Irish football. And there's one thing with the Irish that on one hand makes sense, on the other hand makes zero sense. So the four highest ranked conference champions will receive a first round bye. Independence, like Notre Dame, cannot earn a bye. Okay? So on one hand, this does make some sense. If I'm being fair, right? I, I put my Notre Dame hat to the side. <laughs> I put my foam finger to the side, you know, and I, I just look at this and is this fair or not? The reason it does partially make sense is because Notre Dame doesn't play a conference championship game. They're not in a conference. So if they got a buy in the playoff on top of that, they would be basically getting a double buy, Right. They'd basically get a double buy. So I can see how the college football suits say, eh, mm, no, that's not, that's not great. Okay. On the other hand, why this doesn't make sense to me is that Notre Dame made the college football playoff a couple of times when it was just four teams. So when they were among the top four teams using the old playoff system, it wasn't held against them that they didn't play a conference championship game. No one said, hey, hey, no fair. You didn't play a conference championship game. You're not invited to the four-team college football playoff. So if it wasn't a problem then, why is it all of a sudden a problem now? And they, along with any independent, they can't earn a first-round bye. That seems a little odd to me. So it's one of those deals where it makes a little sense, doesn't make sense. But in any event, Notre Dame, they will skip the conference championship game, but they've got to play a first round game. No first round bye for them or any independent. I don't love it, but I get it. Don't love it, but I get it. Uh, We'll get to a little bit more uh, college football in the second hour because there is one thing that college football should do immediately, immediately, that they are fighting with every fiber of them to not do. <laughs> we'll do that in the next hour. KB joins me, little Kevin Bowen around the corner. I'm Brian Noen for JMV. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 
The Ride with JMV. Son, you got a panty on your head. You drive fast, eh? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I'm Brian Noen for JMV here on The Fan. Please welcome in Kevin Bowen. My guy, KB, you hear him on the mornings on the fan right here. KB, what have you been doing with your life these last couple of months, the last time we've talked, huh? Anything great? Well, that's a great question. Um, gosh, not a whole lot. Was busy during All-Star Weekend. I've enjoyed, I would argue, the quietest offseason of any of the 32 NFL teams so far, the Indianapolis Colts. So that has been very nice, selfishly. Um Watching my Notre Dame men's basketball program play uh, mostly awful, although a two-game win streak. We'll try to stretch it to three tonight at Louisville. And, yeah, I feel like that kind of covers And I guess being a parent and, and a husband, that's about it. <laughs> That'll cover a lot of ground right there, right? That'll take a, a lot of time. The, the whole husband-parent uh, thing, you know? It's uh, quite the job requirement right there. Um, How's everything in your world? Pretty good, man. I can't complain. Um, I could, but no one would care, you know, but not bad. Just plugging away, uh, watching some college hoops and, uh, you know me, I'm just a sports junkie, but other than that, um, playing guitar here and there, uh, just generally annoying my girlfriend from time to time that, you know, sort of thing. (laughs) Well, I appreciate you coming out of the bullpen here when we've, uh, when we've needed it. So thank you for that. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Um, you know, real fast, you kind of caught my attention with the Notre Dame hoops thing. Weren't high expectations for Notre Dame hoops, right? But it's been a rough, rough season. There were higher expectations for IU, and it's been a rough season. So is this a no-brainer that it's been a a more disappointing season for IU compared to I, – I know it has been, but – like a better way to ask it would be who's fallen shorter of expectations. I know there were higher for Indiana. They weren't high for Notre Dame, but who's been lower in terms of reaching their expectations? Oh yeah. I mean, easily IU. Yeah. Notre Dame was picked to finish last in the ACC. And um, I want to say they lost like 99% of their points, rebounds and assists, 98.6%, just something like that. I thought Michael Shrewsbury maybe could have been a little bit more aggressive transfer portal-wise, but he kind of walked in there and said, you know what, there's no need to rush things here. We're going to be patient with it. Hell, they've already won more ACC games this year than they did last year, which probably isn't a great indication of Mike Bray's final season. But, yeah, I mean, Indiana's the one that has got the litany of five stars and four stars. And, um, yeah, I I would say compared to where the expectations were within that conference, um, sure, Indiana lost a good amount, but still they reloaded in a very notable way. And I don't think anybody thought, you know, whatever, their Ken Palm ranking, if you want to go off that, would be, I think, the worst uh, the program's had since the final year of Tom Crean. You're diehard. You're watching all these Notre Dame games? Yeah, I got issues. Yeah, I got got, – I got issues. Uh, took uh, took the kids and, and my wife up there to the Virginia Tech game. That was a great win. I thought about storming the floor, but um, decided to hold off on that. Uh, I was glad to see Virginia Tech win uh, the other night over UVA to improve that. Well, I guess they're going to beat both those teams now that I think about it. The very rare ACC wins they've, they've had. So, yeah, blame my older brother. He's five and a half years older than me, and 
he instilled in me a very young age, we are going to cheer for Notre Dame football. We're going to cheer for Notre Dame basketball. And honestly, I have just, I mean, I love Notre Dame football, but I really love Notre Dame basketball. Wow. Okay. Yes. Um, I'm such There's a fair weather Notre Dame world, hoops right? fan. Yeah. I'm so fair weather when it's hoops. When they stink, I'm like, I don't, I don't care. I watch every Notre Dame football game, no matter how much they're, how terrible they are. The 07 season, they were three and nine, and my beloved uh, Miami Dolphins were one and fifteen. KB, my combined team record for my squads was four and twenty-four that year. You know, it was a long year. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think uh, outside of the family. I think my brother and I, and shout out to good buddy Shane Bryant from college. I think we're the only ones that watch every Notre Dame basketball game. So. Uh, the Elite Eight runs were pretty special. I'm hoping Michael Shrewsbury, and I believe he will drum another couple of those runs up. Uh, probably going to be a couple of years before that even becomes a thought, but uh, I'm hoping they can get back there. I'm hoping there were more than like that one person that stormed the court when Detroit Mercy won. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me it was a, like a legitimate court storming. Yeah, I, well, again, I, I decided to hold back on the court storm, figured it was probably best for my, uh, you know, whatever, for uh, any sort of uh, embarrassment that I did not do that. But I did storm one time. They beat Louisville in five overtimes. Do you remember that? Uh, game day, Patino versus – it was the year Louisville won it all. And, again, I bring it up in Notre Dame basketball games. This is a pretty iconic college basketball game. Game day was there, and uh, Notre Dame beat them in five OTs. Um, that is the one time I've stormed inside the Joyce Center. Nice. I've got two mm-hmm. random stories for you, KB. One's uh, football and one's basketball for Notre Dame. So, like the court storming stuff, it just got me thinking about it. So, um, the first one was, this wasn't court storming, but I was doing updates for an ESPN radio show game night way back when. This is like... 2004 or five, something like that. And so I'm in the arena. I'm courtside. I have one of these old school phones like pressed against my ear. It was so loud in there. They're playing Syracuse. And I hear on the other end, it's like, and I'm like, I think I heard my name. And I just start going. I'm just like, uh, Notre Dame leads 24 to 22 early on here, blah, 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 whatever. The next one I did, someone got hurt, KB, and you could hear a freaking pin drop. And they're like, let's go to Brian with the latest. (laughs) I felt so bad to be like, "Uh, yeah, so uh, someone just got injured right now. It was so strange, man. Odd experience I had back then. Sadly, that's probably one of the few highlights for the program over the <laughs> last. No, I, I, I shouldn't say that. Uh, Mike Bray did a hell of a job there. It was time to go. And uh, yes, I am thrilled with the Mike of Shrewsbury. Hi, I, I, ironically, no, we don't need to stay on the Notre Dame basketball topic, although I, I will happily do that. Uh, last year, when uh, Jake and I were doing the morning show after the hire of Mike of Shrewsbury, I did three hours of radio without my shirt on. That was where I was at after there that, you go. that hire there. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very nice right there. You're fired up about that. I, I think it'll pay dividends. It's just early. It's rough uh, early on. Uh, we'll get to the college football playoff in a second, but the quick Notre Dame football story I have for you. This is more about court storming or storming the field, if you will. I don't remember which game this was, 
it might have been the epic snow game against Penn State in 92. They, they scored the go-ahead touchdown. Jerome Bettis caught it. And then Rick Meyer hits Reggie Brooks for two points, and they beat Penn State. It might have been that game. But I was on the field right after it. And the only thing I remember is some of the ushers or security, they were literally hip-tossing anybody away from the goalposts as they were trying to bring him down. I don't know if it was that game or some other game around that similar time frame, but literally, dude, they were grabbing people and hip-tossing the get away from the goalposts. It was crazy. (laughs) Well, I was three years old, but I've seen enough images of the 92 game against Penn State to – to believe that I was again uh, sharing my own. I was at the Bush Push game at 05. So, I was too. Uh, I was there too. Yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about you know, heart being ripped out? And I mean, how the Ohio State game this year? Uh, gosh, yeah. My voice was struggling on that Monday after. Dude, I. Ah, uh, it's so bad. I, I can remember. We could nerd out on this stuff, man. I remember <laughs> Trevor Laws had the sack. It was like third and uh, twenty. Sure. Yeah. There's a little. Yeah. Little pass to Reggie Bush sets up fourth and nine, and then our guy Ashley Ambrose gets burned by Dwayne Jared, and that set up the further calamity. That that was rough, man. Very rough. What do you think, KB? If we bring it to the now, what do you think about this new twelve-team playoff model? And uh, an independent like Notre Dame, they can't earn a first-round buy. Um, do you understand it? Or are you opposed to it? Where do you stand on that? Yeah, I, I, I understand it. I mean, th- there has to be some, I guess, punishment maybe, if that is the right word, for not being in a conference. Or I, I should probably say you have to sacrifice something, and that's what they are doing here. In this instance, um, yeah, again, you know, 12-team playoff, 1-4, to we'll get buys, and even if Notre Dame is whatever, the number two seed, uh, they cannot get a buy, so they would fall to that five-line and really have to win, you know, four games in about five weeks. Now, the counter to that is people say, well, this is what, you know, they don't, they don't play in a conference championship game. To me, I just can't compare the conference title game to a first-round playoff game. Um, you know, no matter what happens next year, let's just say LSU loses in the SEC title. Let's say Oregon loses in the Big Ten title. The runner-up in the Big Ten and the runner-up in the SEC will certainly make the college football playoff. There's no doubt about it with how those conferences are structured. If Notre Dame loses their, and I say in quotes, their conference championship game, it'll be, you know, one of the first, you know, round playoff games. Obviously, their season will be over. So the ramifications to me are totally different. Um, Those conference title games are not win or go home. Uh, to me, it's just kind of a, a bonus game unless you're way outside of the playoff picture. And remember, we're not doing divisions anymore in those conferences. So it's not like you're going to have a three or four loss, uh, you know, Big Ten West representative like we seemingly have had every single year. Um, this is not necessarily Notre Dame related, but in a way it is. I would love to see for the campus site games mm. to extend for one more round. Oh. Uh, Andy and I talked about this this morning. So again, under this format, the four games will get on the opening weekend, five versus 12, six versus 11, seven, 10, eight, nine. Those will all be at campus venues. And I cannot wait for those atmospheres. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait to see warm weather SEC team in happy Valley, potentially in the snow in the middle of December 
on a Saturday night. Like that, it, it like injects that into my veins. And then for Notre Dame, obviously that's a bonus because yeah, they could be hosting, you know, one of those games, but I would like for that to extend one more round, like the quarterfinal. And I get it. The bulls, we just bow down to the bulls, but I would like to see the one, two, three, and four seeds have that advantage of hosting one game as well. And then you could go neutral for the semifinals and the final there. So uh, that is a part of it that I would uh, that I would like to see change. But uh, again, I, I I wasn't born yesterday. I know how college athletics and college football works. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I even go. I think it should just. I think it should be exactly like the NFL. I think that every game should be a home game, with the exception of the championship. NFL has the Super Bowl at a neutral site. I think every college football playoff game should be on a home campus except for the championship game. Like this idea well, my of... my idea was somewhat realistic. Your idea is totally not <laughs> You know how college athletics work. I do. Right? I mean, like... I do. I get it. I know how it goes, but... Dude, like, oh, what well, we've had the Fiesta Bowl. Screw the Fiesta Bowl. The Fiesta Bowl does nothing in terms of the atmosphere that you can have at a home stadium. And I know there's money tied to it. They're negotiating like a billion dollars of money in terms of a six-year contract extension. Like, they're not aching for cash. It'd be so much better for college football. Yeah, I, I, again, that is dreaming of all dreams. Um, I would love that, certainly. I also think, you know, you're going to get into a little bit of a portal situation here where, hell, if you're the backup of a Final Four team, and boy, second semester starting up at that next school, I mean, we're not playing a national title game until, like, really, I think it's like that Martin Luther King weekend, like usually when that falls. I mean, we're going to be deep yeah. into January. So that's another element to it. But, again, Notre Dame has a lot of advantages. They've created a lot of those advantages. I, I, I like to whine and moan, and, and, but I don't really have a big gripe with it outside of the, man, four games in five weeks. That's yeah. a lot. I mean, you're going like, to be playing some really good football teams <laughs> to go on that run. And, you know, if you stretched it to the bye, those teams are three games in four weeks. I know it just sounds like one game. But, you know, I, I felt like when Notre Dame has gotten on that stage oftentimes, whatever, Notre Dame's top five or six could maybe hold their own. But, you know, depth, I think, is what catches up to them against some of those nation elite. And I, I'd be worried about, you know, four games in five weeks. Yeah, he's Kevin Bowen from the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy joining us here on The Fan. So um, let's talk a little bit of Colts here, right? Combine right around the corner. Um Give me a player or two that you got your eye on in terms of the combine and especially for the draft, the wish list for UKB as far as the Colts go. Well, the easy name would be Brock Bowers. And I think just NFL-wide, you know, tight end is a position that, you know, I think if you look at the top 10 tight ends in the NFL, you know, there's not a ton of them drafted in round one, if really any. Um, you know, the final four teams all had great tight ends, and I don't believe any of them were drafted in round one. Kelsey was round three. Kittle was round five. Mm. Uh, you know, Sam Laporta was round two. Mark Andrews was round three. So, you know, it's a position that, that tells you the top of the class, you don't necessarily need to spend that high of a pick on. But then you look at Bowers and you're like, man, this dude dominated the SEC. And is he the exception to the rule? And, and is calling him a tight end unfair? Can he do a little bit more as both a blocker and a pass catcher. You know, I think you've seen mock drafts where he's going as high as five, and you've seen others where 
he drops late in the teens. Um, so that is a name, um, especially with the Colts not having a number one tight end. Uh, that'll be something that I'm watching. And I would say just in general, maybe not as much prospect related, because I mean, you could nerd out over the fourth wide out or the second or third corner. I always like to get out of the combine because it's the first time you've put underclassmen together with the upperclassmen for the draft. Where's the depth? Because I think that matters. You know, if you are, and by all accounts, it's a great wideout class, good tackle, maybe some corner depth as well, and not as good defensive draft. Well, in my opinion, the Colts have two needs pretty high, and that would be wideout and or pass catcher or edge rusher. Um, I still think that's a need, even though some might disagree with that. Well, if you're going to tell me that, you know, wide receiver eight is the same as, you know, edge rusher two, if mm-hmm. you're going to, like, rank them like that, if you're sitting there at 15 overall and you could take the third wide out or the first edge rusher, and you know in the middle of round two you might get that wide out that's equivalent to the other edge rusher, you're going to wait on wide out if you believe in paying attention to draft depth. So um, that's always kind of an annual thing combine-wise that I like to pay attention to. Yeah. Um, how do you think it goes with Pittman Jr., right? I, I, I anticipate you're expecting a tag. Do you expect a long-term extension this offseason, them coming to an agreement also? Yeah, I, I think eventually you will get there. You know, Chris Ballard has never been one to do things early. And this franchise tag window, we're in day two of 14 days. Uh, I, I think we'll probably have to wait you know, pretty close to the end of that deadline. If you tag Pittman then, you technically could wait till mid-July to give him an extension. That's what the NFL um, calendar reads. And sure, Pittman might opt to say, all right, well, if that's the case, I don't really want to participate in the offseason program. Maybe the Colts would have urgency to get something done prior to that. Maybe they feel like the numbers match up and all sides, is, it, it, it's gravy and they just move on. But, you know, again, I, I can live in reality here. And this might be a little pipe dreamy here, Brian, but part of me says this. You tag him. He's under contract for 2024. He can't hit the open market on March 13th. He's not a free agent. And you just kind of push that to the side, and you let free agency play out. You let the draft play out. And if anything crazy happens, you haven't guaranteed Michael Pittman whatever, $50 million of the $90 million contract. You haven't given him that long-term deal yet. And if you've got some team that real crazy happens, and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, it's the night of the draft. We don't feel like A.J. Brown's going to fit. We'd like to trade him. Oh, okay, wow, we didn't see this coming. Are you in a position to entertain those offers, to entertain those possibilities? If you give Pittman you know, that long-term deal right here, right now, does that take you away from any potential, and I stress mm-hmm. potential, conversations like that again i'm not saying that that's going to happen but i guarantee you philadelphia a couple years ago on february 21st didn't think that that was going to be there for you so that would be something where okay you let free agency play out you let the draft play out maybe get to early may and at that point the bulk of the major nfl offseason stuff has passed maybe that's when you say all right we know we want Pittman, nothing else happened, let's give him a long-term deal, and boom, he's ready to go for OTAs and for minicamp with Anthony Richardson. But that's just a little wiggle with the franchise tag that I'm curious if they would entertain at all. No, it's I hear what you're saying, man. Um, I think we both fully expect him to be a member of the Colts, but 
you're right. It's this, hey, you never quite know for sure. So with that being said, what percentage chance would you put it at that Pittman Jr. has played his last down for the Colts? 10%. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I the question that I asked, and I tweeted out a link to a story that I wrote on Pittman a few weeks ago. The question I asked and in, in, in tweeted out the article was, okay, for those that don't feel like Pittman should be brought back, explain to me plan B. And, like, oh, and, and please keep it realistic. Uh, what is that? And, you know, people, and I appreciated them sending in, you know, various whatever, plan B options and this and that, but none of it made sense. None of it, like, to me, was supporting Anthony Richardson in the type of, um, you know, to the type of degree that I think you need to do that. So, yeah, I just, um, I can't see it happening. I mean, Chris Bauer has paid non-premium positions handsomely before. Well, now you've got a premium position, and you've got the 21-year-old rookie quarterback. You just can't. You can't skimp. You can't shortcut. I've said that a million times. You can't do that at the weapons for uh, Richardson. No, no doubt about that. Yeah, but that's that's the interesting part to me is Pittman Jr.'s agent knows that. Pittman Jr. knows it, right? The price tag is just going up and up. If sure. you've got leverage yeah, like that, is, that, yeah. And that's what's going to make it fascinating to see what that final number is. Um, yeah, that's so, yeah. what my head is too. It's like what could help the Colts leverage. You know what I mean? Not that they would do it, but is there a legitimate plan B where you laid it out, where there's this crazy scenario where maybe there's a big name wide receiver and they could go that direction. Is there a, a potential wide receiver that could fall to the Colts and they would at least be in line to draft that guy and go a different route. You know what I mean? To just help them in negotiating. That's what I think about this Pittman jr. Thing mainly. Boy, I, yeah, I, I don't think there's any leverage. <laughs> Again, if you're Pittman's agent, you say, "Hey, let's watch that Atlanta Falcons game from this past year when my when my when my client wasn't on the field." Hey, let's uh, let's go through the list of quarterbacks that my client has played with in Indy, and you tell me where those guys are now. Yeah, yep. that's yeah, yeah. It just uh, it's an unfortunate situation to be in, but that's a reality. No doubt. All right, KB, what's on the agenda tonight? We got some Irish hoops. What else is going on there? Well, yeah, we got a little Irish hoopage, 7 o'clock. I think we're going we're, we're to go a little tacos, I think, for the Bowen household here. Uh, nice. Here tonight. So we'll go a little taco action. Uh, I like that, you know, I can get through a good chunk of the Notre Dame game before IU hits the floor against the Fighting Hoybergs coming up at uh, at 8.30. So uh, get, get, get a little hoopage in there. It's been kind of a quiet week so far. The Pacers not playing until Thursday. Purdue not playing until Thursday. So glad to get back into it a little bit. You know, real fast, KB, the homemade tacos that I personally enjoy the most include little, like, rectangles, little chunks of Velveeta cheese. Now, many of my friends think this is sacrilegious. I contend it's freaking delicious, and I will not apologize. Do you think this is just a step too far here, going Velveeta cheese in the homemade tacos? Well, when you first off said chunks, I was a little nervous where you were going with that. Um, so I'll admit that it didn't get off to a swimming start in my mind. I am a man of tradition. I'm a man of a third grade palate as well. Yeah. Um, but I do love cheese. Uh, I, I, 
I might need to see a picture. I, I there, there's some intrigue here, but okay. I'm probably going to stick with how I've operated for 34 years in the surf. You know, I will do that. The next time I have homemade tacos, I'll take a picture <laughs> and I'll throw it on X, tag you there, and then you can let me know if you think. You know, I'll give you. A, a, a mediocre sort of thumbs up, you know, a little shaky or a clear thumbs down. No, you, it's a step too far, man. Perfect. It will be your most engaged tweet here of 2024. <laughs> Perfect, man. All right, KB, thanks for the time, man. Hope you have a good night. You bet, Brian. Have a good one, man. You too. There he is, Kevin Bowen. Wake up call with KB and Andy. Good stuff. And I held KB hostage right there. Goodness. What? We're sharing stories, you know, court storming, all that stuff. That's one thing I hate about myself. If you ask yourself, what do I hate about me? One of the things I hate about my, myself is that I'm a total fair weather Notre Dame basketball fan. It goes against everything about me. I am either all in or I don't care at all with most everything. There are a few exceptions. But Notre Dame basketball, it's so embarrassing. It's just pathetic. When they were, you know, taking on Kentucky, who was undefeated in like 2015 or whatever in college basketball, I'm like, go Irish, let's go. I was all into it. They stink this season. I don't even care. I don't care. I'm not living and dying with any moments. I'm not watching any of these games. It's pathetic. It's like, are you in or are you not? Are you just there to ride the coattails, jump on the bandwagon, or are you a diehard? Notre Dame football, they could be 1-11 this season. I will watch every single freaking play. Every single one. Not like that with college basketball as far as Notre Dame goes. Not at all. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny, too. I think I'm not the only one. Real fast story. So I went to a a Notre Dame college basketball game last season. They were hosting North Carolina. And I felt so bad for the leprechaun because the mascot, he's trying to get everybody involved, right? He's trying to fire up the crowd. And Notre Dame wasn't scoring. It was a bit of a rough game. Neither team was scoring in the first half. And at some point, the leprechaun, he goes to the crowd and he's just like, let's go. Go! And the whole crowd is just staring at him with a blank expression like, what do you mean, let's go? Like, we suck. What What do you mean, cheer and show excitement? What? And he just kind of dropped his head and walked away like, uh, that didn't work. <laughs> Mascots aren't used to, be, to getting rejected like that. He just completely got rejected. It was rough. Rough right there. All right. We got a lot going on here. Goodness. I'm looking through these stories, and uh, there's a lot of meat on the bone here. I got to get you a couple of Zach Eady nuggets, a couple of things that I saw that interested me. I'll get that to you at the end of this hour. I still owe you Metallica and Megadeth, something that blew my mind. And right around the corner, oh, gosh. I love it when this happens, meaning... It's so stupid when this happens. When someone is clearly at fault and then says, no, 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 you guys are at fault. (laughs) We have another instance of that happening. It's a great story. I think you'll... uh It'll entertain you. That's coming up. I'm Brian, though, in for JMV. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 
raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. We're putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I'm Brian No in for JMV here on The Fan. Man, we got a lot going on over here. I don't know. Like, before each show filling in, especially for G- JMV because it's a solo show, I am like, let me get this. Let me get that. I might need this. I might. It's like you're preparing a meal and you feel like you've got, I don't know, you've got some um, French-style green beans and like half a pack of chicken wings left. And you've got all these people coming over. It's like, how am I going to make this work? That's how I feel before shows. And then the show starts and I'm like, there are a million things to talk about. Why would I freak freak out like that? Um, Real fast, there was just a promo with Rick Smits. And I have a random Rick Smits nugget that I ran across earlier today. So this is from Yahoo Sports. And so they've got an NBA mock draft out. And so we might see two players, the top two picks, come from France. And that would be a first. We've never seen something like that before. And tied to that is the random fun fact of the day. And it involves Rick Smits. So Darko Milicic, remember Darko? The one guy that stunk in the top five in the 03 draft. <laughs> that, that guy. Um, yeah, you had all these. You got, what, LeBron and Dwayne Wade, Carmelo, Chris Bosh. You had all these guys. Then you had Darko. You had Darko Milicic or Milicic or whatever. Yeah, he stunk. It doesn't matter what his name was, you know. But he was the only international player ever selected number two overall. Now, there were foreign-born players that were number two picks, but they all played in college, okay? So Darko was the only international player to be selected number two overall. And the three foreign-born players that were number two picks but played in college, you had Hashim Thabit in 2009, went to UConn um, from Tanzania, Sean Bradley... In 1993, played at BYU, the late Sean Bradley uh, from Germany. And then you had Rick Smits in 1988. Went to Marist from the Netherlands. So there you go. There's your random fun fact of the day. I know, it's it's a tough one to repeat. (laughs) I feel like a good fun fact is something you could repeat. You know? If you're like, hey, uh, you know, I was listening to this Yahoo No today, fill in for JMV. 
He had this fun fact about Rick Smits. Oh, yeah, what was it? Gosh, you know, I really have no idea how to tell you what it was. <laughs> That's what it feels like to me, but the random fun fact is that Darko Milicic is the only international player to be selected number two overall. There were foreign-born players selected number two, but they played in college. Rick Smits was one of those guys. So, you know, little Pacers hot tub time machine stuff for you right there. I like that fun fact. I like that right there. Um, let me get out to Bill here real fast, and I'll pay off the other thing with someone that, that is at fault and saying it's everybody else's fault. Bill, you're on the fan. What's on your mind, man? It ain't my fault. <laughs> I, tell you, I tell you, I wanted to uh, go back to the, cut the first segment that you had, and you talk about uh, Indiana athletes or uh, sports figures and everything that go on do extraordinary things. Um, one of the things that sticks out in my mind, in 1965, Rick Mount, when he was a senior at Lebanon High School, had his picture on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He became the youngest in a team sport to ever be pictured in, in, on Sports Illustrated on, on the cover. They'd had Olympic mm. athletes and stuff like that. And that was such a, such a big deal. But uh, uh, one of the things about, uh, about Rick Mount and, and the fact that uh, he didn't, his career didn't translate as a pro because he blew, he blew his knee out his senior year at the beginning of the year and then came, and then came back too quick because, you know, Rick Mount's uh, team, when he was a sophomore, he played against Lou Alcindor in UCLA when Johnny Wooden was a coach and they were undefeated. And that was maybe one of the greatest teams ever, but he blew his knee out real bad and came back too quick. So if, you know, if, if, if they would have applied the same standards, then, as they do today, with somebody with the stature of a Rick Mount, you know, having a knee injury, you bring it back extremely slowly. But yeah. no, they, they, you know, they, they brought him back real quick, and and uh, it just it just really didn't uh, didn't work out for him. But one of the uh, one of the other uh, uh, Indiana sports figures that I think is extremely legendary is Tony Hinkle. Um, Tony Hinkle did something in college as a coach that will never, ever, ever be duplicated. He coached three sports a year. He was the mm. football coach, he was the basketball coach, and he was the uh, and he was the baseball coach also. And he uh, he got his first coaching job uh, with uh, the football and baseball team in 1921. But he took over Butler's basketball program in 26. And uh, uh, as a as a football coach, when World War II happened, Tony Hinkle ended up as the coach of the Great Lakes Navy Blue Jackets, which was a, which was a co- uh, bona fide college team, but it was located on a boot camp uh, up in uh, up north of Chicago. And um, Tony Hinkle that year beat number one ranked Notre Dame, coached by Frank Leahy, 19 to 14. And that was probably his greatest, uh, uh, his greatest uh, uh uh, feet as a coach other than the fact that he coached all the way he coached basketball from 1926 to 1970 so i you know I, you're, we're just not going to see that again i mean you just uh, it just it, it would just never never happen and, i'll tell and that, you what and, bill like you sound very young to know all this historical stuff you know i mean that as a compliment you just, i i would never know it you sound like you're in your 40s you know what i mean like it, it, props to you for uh, being on top of all this stuff for sure 
Yeah, well, I do drugs, so, you know, on a <laughs> recreational basis. You know, I mean, I look, yeah. you know, there's a, there's a dark cloud to everything, you know, and this, that, that's my white cloud, uh, I, I guess. But, uh, but no, just been following sports for a long time and, and fan of JMV. You're doing a, you're doing a great job of uh, uh, filling in and everything and look forward to listening to you later. Cool, man. No, I appreciate that, Bill. Thanks for checking in. I, listen, a couple of things that blow my mind based on what Bill was talking about is I get when athletes suffered injuries way back in the day. We're talking 50s, 60s. You tore your ACL. It's like, well, you know, hopefully life out of sports will we'll do. Hopefully you'll thrive in a life outside of sports, right? Like, but I, I was literally watching something the other night. I was just flipping channels, and they had something on NFL Network. I love – it's called America's Game. They just chronicle a Super Bowl-winning team season. And at the end of the Broncos – I forget which year it was, 97 or 98. I think it was the 98 Broncos team. It dipped into the next season when Hall of Fame running back Terrell Davis tore his ACL. And that was pretty much his career. You understand what I mean? I understand when – Someone in the 60s tore their ACL, and it was curtains. But for Terrell Davis, near 2000, the year 2000, right? Like, to tear his ACL, and that's pretty much it for him. That still blows my mind. And the other thing that I find crazy is how much medicine has come along to help athletes, but what advancements are we going to see in the next whatever, you know, 20, 30 years that would blow our minds from today. You know, if you would have said to someone in 1960, oh, you know, in a, you know, a couple decades, ACL tear, it's not the end of your career at all. You can recover in, you know, nine months or so, maybe even sooner. We would have been like, what? <laughs> right? Like, what modern medicine advancements will occur where we would say that about injuries now. You see certain things. Brock Purdy, the Niners quarterback, his elbow was jacked up against the Eagles in the NFC title game. He didn't miss a game the next season. They're like, yeah, let's just give this internal brace. And you're like, what? It's kind of a synthetic thing. You can recover way quicker than full-blown Tommy John. Okay. I'm just curious what the next advancements will be where there's going to be something that blows our mind. I, I don't know what it's going to be. Uh, and there's some things that just take time. You got to, they got to run their course. I don't think that you could look at Aaron Rodgers and his Achilles injury. And, you know, 20 years from now, they're like, oh yeah, it's like four to six weeks. It's not a big deal anymore. There's been this advancement, but I'll bring that back. We're looking for the biggest moment in any sporting event. That's rolled through Indianapolis. We'll, we'll recircle uh, as far as that goes, at the top of the hour. So, Kenny Smith from TNT does a great job, did not do a great job during All-Star Weekend. So, I bring this up because he's doubled down. And he's basically explained what he meant. So, during All-Star Saturday, there was the shooting competition between Steph Curry and Sabrina Ionescu. And Steph Curry won. 29 to 26. And Kenny Smith caught a lot of heat because he was like, she should have shot the three from the three point line that women shoot from. 
And Reggie Miller and most everybody listening was like, whoa, what What are you saying? What does that mean? What? What? <laughs> it just sounded strange to say that. He was a guest on the Stephen A. Smith show, and he was explaining what he meant. So, so listen to what he meant um, after what he said initially. Most people who know basketball understood what I was talking about. Actually, I was advocating for her more than anything else because – Basketball is all is muscle memory. Right. So he practices from one range. She practices from the other. There's even a study, I think, with somebody throwing darts, the guy with those darts. Okay. And if you move him out one step, his accuracy changes dramatically. Mm. But the funny thing about it, if you move him in one step, his accuracy changes because you take so many shots from the exact same thing. So I'm like, why is he getting the, the advantage mm. to – shoot at his line that's an advantage it does it's not gender it's not genetic it's an advantage it's a muscle shooting it's only muscle memory okay so we can follow that right that makes sense understand his point totally clear um what wasn't clear were the initial statements during the shooting competition right like (laughs) reggie miller i feel like was us when uh, Kenny Smith was laying this out, where we're like, what? Huh? Why, why are you putting boundaries on? This was the initial exchange. It, it's important to hear this because it matters for the context of the whole thought right here. I think she should have shot from the women's line. That would have been a fair contest. I still root for Sabrina. I still root for Sabrina. We all root for Sabrina. She should have shot from the three-point line that the women shoot from. Why are you putting those boundaries on her? That's she, not a boundary. She That's what the game is. She wanted to shoot. They have a smaller ball, don't they? She shot a WNBA ball. WNBA ball is smaller. She shot with the WNBA yeah, ball. She, she should have shot from the line. It, it, there's it, a women's it. tee in golf and there's a men's tee. For a reason. No. She a shooter shoot. Isn't that what you said? Yeah, but they shoot from where they shoot from. No. Thank you. No, no, no. Sabrina, good, good job, job. Sabrina. The explanation sounded way better than the initial comments. I I mean, listen, I can relate to this because sometimes just being on radio, I'll say something and someone will hear it completely differently than I said it. And I've learned over the years, sometimes it's the listener's fault. Other times it is my fault because I didn't frame it the right way. I didn't quite say it in a way that was easy to follow. It's really tricky to do that. And Kenny Smith absolutely knows this. I'm not telling, saying anything that he doesn't know. But what's funny to me is for Kenny Smith to now say, well, I mean, anybody who knows basketball knew what I was saying. You had Reggie Miller, one of a great basketball player who obviously knows basketball that had no idea what Kenny Smith was saying because it was not easy to follow. If you say she should have shot from the three-point line that women shoot from, what's missing in that is muscle memory. I didn't hear anything involving muscle memory in the initial comments where you could then be like, oh, okay, I get what you're saying. It does affect what you're used to and your accuracy. Oh, 
okay, you're not being a hater, but the way he initially said it was just clunky and strange. That's his fault. That's not our fault. If I say Patrick Mahomes wasn't good last year, you'd be like, what are you talking about? And then I say, well, people who know football knew I was saying that Patrick Mahomes wasn't good at avoiding interceptions in the 2023 regular season. Like, that's clearly what I meant. The reaction would be like, you just did a terrible job explaining your point. (laughs) That's how I feel about Kenny. I appreciate him setting the record straight, and I get what he was going for now. But at the time, swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. All right. Coming up right around the corner. I don't know how loud I can make this guitar, but... I'm going to do my best, and I think there's something that's going to blow James's Metallica slash Megadeth mind, and um, uh, maybe a couple of yours as well. I don't know. Uh, or it's going to waste a few minutes of your time. <laughs> uh, top of the hour, we get back to the most memorable, uh, the biggest moment for any sporting event that's rolled through Indianapolis. But a little guitar sesh real fast right around the corner. I'm Brian, though, in for JMV. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Look up idiot in the dictionary. You know what you'll find? A picture of me? No. The definition of the word idiot, which you f***ing are. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I'm Brian Noen for JMV. Here on The Fan. I got a tweet here from Greg. And he just wrote, Sean Bradley is still alive. I, I mentioned that, that, um... It was a fun fact involving Rick Smith and the NBA draft. And uh, I mentioned that Sean Bradley had passed away because I thought he did. But I, he's right. Greg's right. He, um, I knew it was a bike incident. He was riding his bike and he got hit and he was paralyzed. But Sean is still alive, which is great. Um, but man, yeah, he's in a wheelchair. And when I searched that, I didn't realize this either, but... Remember former Utah Jazz Center Mark Eaton? He died of a bicycle crash. He was uh, 64 years old. It's a very grim segment here. I didn't mean for this, but like I meant for it to be a good thing, as Greg pointed out, and shout out to him. Sean Bradley's still alive. I didn't mean to, you know, incorrectly say that he was gone. He is still still alive. Greg is right about that. On a lighter note, I mentioned that I had a uh, a guitar thing for you guys real fast. And Eddie Garrison, shout out to him with his listening years on. He was like, are you going to play the guitar better than Springsteen? (laughs) This is my favorite piece of audio. This is Bruce Springsteen. 
I forget, it was like the Grammys or something. They were having a jam session, and they would just switch from musician to musician. And they, hey, uh, I don't know, um, Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters. Hey, he's going to play a couple of lead guitar licks. Like, wah, wah, wah. And then it's like, all right, Bruce Springsteen, let's uh, your turn. What do you have? That's not even the worst. There's something here that's even worse than that. Oh, my gosh. That is freaking brutal. Bruce, what are you doing, man? No, I, hopefully I'll do a little bit better. I, this isn't going to be a full-blown jam session, but James, so do you enjoy both Metallica and Megadeth? Yes, I do. Which is higher on your list? Um... Metallica was more influential on me when I was younger. I think I listen to Megadeth more often now, but like oh, wow, the early okay. the early Metallica records, like the first four, even the Black album, I I really love those uh, those albums. You know what's crazy is, so I filled in on Monday, and you played Hangar 18 from Megadeth, mm-hmm. and so last night I was plinking around with it. I was like, I, I want to learn a little bit of that song. And so this is the best I can do. I don't have my full-blown setup with a guitar amp, and you can hear it. So this is like a classical guitar. (laughs) So we're going Megadeth and Metallica unplugged right here. But in an effort for you to halfway hear what I'm playing and trying to, to tell you, this is the best I can do. Now, can you hear this? Can you hear this at all? Yeah, I can hear that. Okay. So Hangar 18 starts off like this, right, where it's like... so forth and so on and i was like those are the same like chords or same progression as the call of cthulhu oh, from yeah, right the lightning metallica yeah right so cthulhu is like well it it almost makes sense though because yeah dave, Mustaine, dave, was dave Mustaine, yeah he wrote yeah. a lot of the songs on ride the lightning so that makes sense isn't that crazy so yeah. the beginning of cthulhu well close to the beginning is like Right? My goodness, I haven't played a classical in forever. I'm sounding like sounding like Bruce here. But yeah, that, that that beginning of like is like how crazy is that? I will I say, like I was like I had it on my phone, and I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I never heard it like that. Have you ever heard it like that? Oh, yeah. I never did. Oh, yeah. Like the first three Metallica albums, if you are a fan of Megadeth and you listen to a lot of Dave Mustaine, you can really hear his influence on the first three oh, uh, Metallica records. Oh, there's no doubt. Records. Absolutely. There are multiple songs where you can definitely hear Dave all over that. But I'm just saying those specific mm-hmm. songs. I never heard Hangar 18 with that little part like the and thought Call of Cthulhu well, ever. You know the Never. song, you know the Metallica song The Four Horsemen? Yeah. And uh, uh, Megadeth has uh, basically they have Is the that exact like the same mechanics yeah, the mechanics or something. It's like yeah. that song but sped up a thousand times or right. something like yeah. that. Yeah. Very similar. Dave must wake up each day and be like freaking Metallica. <laughs> Right? Definitely back in the 80s and 90s he was. I think they've chilled out a little bit since then. But uh, back back then, they did not like each other. Yeah, man. There's some bad blood. No doubt about that. All right. Feel free to check in. We're going to be interactive over here. I got to get you a couple of nuggets involving Zach Eady, and we will revisit what we were talking about here 
Uh, can anything upstage Manning to Manningham for the biggest moment of any sporting event that's rolled through Indianapolis? We'll compare notes right around the corner. I'm Brian, though, in for JMV. It is 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. The Sportos, the Motorheads, Geeks, Sluts, Bloods, Wastoids, Dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. I'm Brian No in for JMV here on The Fan. Hope you're enjoying your Wednesday. We've got some Santana tickets to give away. I got to see Santana in Nashville, James. Did a great job. Oh, really? Yeah, got to see a Santana concert. He's an amazing guitarist, man. I have, Absolutely. I've, I've never gotten to see him uh, live, but I would love to. You would love it. Absolutely, you would love it. Also, Counting Crows. Good consolation prize, you know? I feel like we got to be honest. I mean, if you're giving away Santana and Counting Crows tickets... Well, they're playing like, the same show. That's good. Yeah. That's good. The, it's know, the same show. Santana's like... Yeah, you know, how are these guys going to make an honest living without me involved on the on the ticket? You know what I mean? So shout out to Santana just giving to those poor Counting Crows. What, what, what are the Counting Crows? They had one song uh, that was pretty well known. I can't say I'm overly familiar with their stuff. No, they got you would know this one song. Let me look real fast. Sorry. Counting Crows. What are their hits? There's, oh... Is it, oh, Mr. Jones. You know Mr. Jones, right? I don't think I do. Oh, you know it. It might you be have. one of those where I don't know the title, but when I hear the song, I'll actually recognize it. Say, I'm more of like a baritone, you know? If you ask me to go baritone like the dude from Boys to Men, I got you. Not really, but this is for dramatic effect. But if you ask me to go falsetto a little bit, boy, I'm out of my comfort zone, James. But that's where it was like, Mr. Jones and me. You know that song. Okay, that sounds familiar. That yeah. does sound familiar. I don't know how you got it from my singing I mean, ability. just, just that the... <laughs> you got the tempo of it, right? You got the whatever the musical term for it is. I'm blanking uh, right now. Man, thank you. I appreciate that. It's like the... Uh, oh, you know what? By the way, speaking of sounding similar, so I pulled something from a Colts game last night. Because I knew we'd be talking about Michael Pittman Jr. and when will the Colts tag him and all that type of stuff. And so I went back. This was the Colts playing the Cowboys two seasons ago, right? 2022, they were on the road against the Cowboys. And they hung for a while, and then they got smacked around. But I grabbed, I wanted to get the Michael Pittman Jr. introduction, right? Michael Pittman, USC. 
Okay? Just, you know, a random throw in there. You know what I, I noticed? Ryan Kelly, Colt Center, he sounds a lot like Jimmy Cook here on the fan. Now, if you think of, James, I think you're going for, it's not quite tempo, it's cadence. I think you're going for cadence here, right? Um, listen to Ryan Kelly and think Jimmy Cook. Ryan Kelly, Alabama. Doesn't that sound like Jimmy Cook a little bit? I think it does. If we could get Jimmy Cook to just say, Ryan Kelly, Alabama, I think he would say it very similar to this. Ryan Kelly, Alabama. <laughs> do you see? Do you hear that? Or is it just me, James? I don't know if I'm out on no oh, I, island on this I, one. I, or I definitely hear it. I definitely hear it. We'll have to try and trick him into uh, saying that specific phrase when he comes in tomorrow. Oh, I got you. I got you. You know what else blew my mind when I was grabbing that audio last night? How quickly things change in the NFL. You see that in the sports world, but man, especially in the NFL. Just listen to this introduction. Mike Tirico is like, hey, here's the Colts offense. And just listen to how it starts. Good starting field position for the Indianapolis offense. Matt Ryan, Boston College. That right there, I'm like, wow. That was literally two seasons ago. It was really, if you want to be accurate, that was a week 13 game. That's a little more than a season and a third ago. (laughs) That's pretty much it. And Matt Ryan being the Colts starting quarterback, it feels like five years ago. You guys ever do this where if I take a nap during the day, so I have a weird schedule. Maybe I have a show here. I, I take a nap. I do another show. I take another nap. It, it feels like nine days have gone by. Do you ever feel like that if you take a nap where you're doing the math and you're like, oh, yeah, that that was yesterday. That feels like it was longer ago. Than that. That's how I feel with Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan was the Colts starting quarterback less than a season and a half ago. And look at where they are now with Anthony Richardson and unfortunately getting injured and Gardner Minshew filling in. And when I saw Matt Ryan, Boston College, I was like, oh my gosh, that doesn't feel like it was 2022 at all. At all. Now, we were uh, talking about this a little bit earlier. And I love all the participation. You guys were all over this one. But I was just thinking on the heels of All-Star Weekend, What's the biggest moment for any sporting event that's rolled through Indianapolis? Now, I thought about this because, look, the Kenny Smith, his commentary on Sabrina Unescu, and she should shoot where the women shoot. <laughs> he was going for muscle memory, and that's what she's more used to. And Okay, it didn't sound like that. The point is this made national headlines. That was a huge talking point in the sports world, not just in Indianapolis, in the country from Kenny Smith's comments during All-Star Weekend about Sabrina Ionescu in Indianapolis. And it just got me thinking, what's the biggest moment for any sporting event that's rolled through the town of Indianapolis? And that's the way I I thought about it because I guess if you expand this and you include 
the mainstays, right? Like the Indy 500, the Indiana Pacers, just anything that occurred in Indianapolis. You could do it that way. But I thought of it more so of sporting events that aren't mainstays. That are just around for a little while, maybe just for one event, and they're gone. The All-Star weekend would be somewhere else next year and somewhere else the year after that and on and on and on. I don't know when it'll be back in Indianapolis. Might not be for a couple of decades, you know? So something like that. What's something that has just rolled through town and produced a huge moment? What was the biggest moment? I just have this curious mind of what would you put at the top of the list? And what I started with was the Super Bowl when the Giants beat the Patriots. And the biggest moment from that game was Eli Manning in his pass to Mario Manningham along the sideline. Manning to Manningham was a legendary Super Bowl moment. And it came in a game where the Giants beat Tom Brady and the Patriots for the second time. Right? They won Super Bowl 42, then they won Super Bowl 46. They basically went Chiefs against the 49ers. Right? We just saw this. We saw uh, Super Bowl 54, where Mahomes and the Chiefs beat the Niners. And then we just saw Super Bowl 57, where Mahomes and the Chiefs beat the 49ers. Right? Very comparable with Eli Manning and the Giants beating Tom Brady and the Patriots. That happened for a second time in the Manning to Manningham thing. Again, it's the freaking Super Bowl. Is there anything that you would put ahead of that? higher than that of any sporting event that is rolled through Indianapolis. And look, man, it's a great participation at the beginning of the show and hats off to everybody who checked in. And some of the suggestions were fantastic. And you just start thinking about this. It's almost like going on YouTube and you watch one video and then you see the suggestions on the side And you're like, oh, that looks interesting. And oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And what's this about? (laughs) That's that's what the conversation turned into. And so you start thinking about college football championship games, Final Fours, when Kentucky was undefeated and they go down to Wisconsin, when Gordon Hayward almost hits a half-court shot to beat Duke in the national championship game, right? Right. Like You start going down the list of things that have happened in Indianapolis. And inevitably, there's going to be something where you're like, oh, yeah, that was a huge moment. And and that sort of deal. But I'm still at a place where I'm trying to think if there has been anything bigger than the Manning to Manningham thing in Super Bowl 46 that has happened in Indianapolis. I think that, and I'm not saying this is on the same level, but just in terms of memorable moments, the Combine has been in Indianapolis for a long, long time. But there have been some legendary moments. Deion Sanders, his 40 time, and then just running out of the stadium, and he's like, that's it for me, basically. It's a legendary moment. There are memorable moments. I wouldn't go as far as to say legendary, but quite memorable. Remember when Chris Jones, the Chiefs, Defensive lineman, where he had a wardrobe malfunction, and the uh, 
the Garden Stake went for a tour of the stadium. That was a very memorable moment. It was like, wow, Chris, good Lord. Keep the Python under control over there. Goodness. But I can't go with the Combine because it's in Indianapolis pretty much every year. So it's a mainstay. It's similar to the Indy 500 in terms of being a mainstay. So if anything that's just around for a short period of time and then gone. Think of a movie, you know? A movie doesn't stay in the movie theater every single year. It's just there for a little while and it's gone. That's what I'm going for. Of the sporting events that are just here for a little bit and then gone. Like the Super Bowl. Like Big Ten Championships. Like the college football playoff, like All Star Weekend, any of that stuff. What has produced the biggest moment? If you have something that outdoes Manning to Manningham, I know I keep beating that drum, and I'm not beholden to that. Trust me, I'm open minded to, oh, yeah, that was a bigger moment. But I don't know that we're going to get one. Right? That's the Super Bowl we just had, and the numbers weren't as big as what we just had. It always seems to go up and up and up, higher and higher. But what was it just now for the Chiefs and the Niners? It's over 120 million people. Like the, the stage of the Super Bowl, you know? And to have a moment that was so memorable with Eli Manning's pass to Manningham, that's the thing is... When you start thinking about games, I don't know about you. I used to remember detail after detail after detail about games. And it's not the same way anymore. I might remember some of the big picture things, but you can just go back and look at Super Bowls. If you went back Super Bowl after Super Bowl and said, hey, what was the biggest thing that happened in that game? Uh, there are some where you would be like, oh, that's easy. Super Bowl 43, that was the Steelers beating the Arizona Cardinals. It was Santana Holmes. Uh, or, or Santonio Holmes. Goodness, I've got Santana on my mind, James. <laughs> We've got Santana tickets to give away. <laughs> it's uh, Santonio Holmes catching the, the ball in the back of the end zone, right? Like, But you start thinking about moments... Okay, what was the biggest moment in the Patriots beating the Rams in Super Bowl 53? It's like, uh, well, there was the Gronk catch down the middle. Can you name another play? What else you got? Jared Goff threw an interception toward the end of the game. That was another bigger play. Can you name any others? You know, it's not as easy as you think to go through these Super Bowls. Peyton Manning. The Super Bowl he won with the Broncos. They beat Carolina 24 to 10. Okay, you had Vaughn Miller with the strip sack right away. And then you had the weird play where Cam Newton didn't want to dive on the fumble later in the game. What else you got from that game? What do you remember? You know, it wasn't that long ago. That was Super Bowl 50. We just had 57. It was like seven years ago. What do you remember from the game? So you go back to Super Bowl 46, and Manning to Manningham is 
It's a huge Super Bowl moment. They beat Tom Brady and the Patriots again. I, I just don't know that you're going to top it in Indianapolis for the biggest moment of any sporting event that's rolled through town. We'd, if you have any suggestions, I, I'd love to hear them. What do you have, James? Say so We did just have a caller call in, uh, or a listener call in. He did uh, throw out John Daly winning the 1991 PGA Championship at Crooked Stick Golf Club in Indiana or in, in Carmel, Indiana, as a potential moment that could uh, potentially rake up there. Uh, did he shotgun a beer to celebrate? I'm not sure, but it sounds like it's something. Sounds like something he would do. It does, right? I think that John might have done something to accentuate that moment, you know? <laughs> he probably had a beer. I, I think that's a safe bet right there. Yeah. I love John. God bless that guy. He's fun, man. Always entertaining. What was the commercial he was just in for, like, the trimmer or something oh, like that? I have no idea what it is off the top of my head, but I know the one you're talking about. <laughs> Such a random commercial. I forget what it is. I think it's to trim your beard. And I think he's with his son, maybe. And he acts like he's going to trim the downstairs area. It's the Manscaped commercial. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, and I think his son is like, whoa, 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 dad, just for the beard over here or something like that. <laughs> it's a great commercial. Awesome commercial. But John Daly's a character. Like, I'll put it this way. There are so many memorable moments. Huge moments, not just for the city of Indianapolis, for the sports world that have occurred in Indianapolis. It's an awesome thing. It really is. I was just racking my brain trying to come up with the, the biggest moment. And uh, it's, it's an interesting exercise because what's interesting to me is where people's minds go initially. Where you might have gone with, you know... Uh, uh, like the John Daly thing we just heard, or Gordon Hayward and the half-court shot, or any number of things. Kentucky, who was undefeated, going down to Wisconsin in the Final Four. All in Indianapolis. I'll go out to the phones here. Dan is with us. Dan, you're on the fan. What's going on, man? Hi, how's it going? Good, man. Yeah, back in the 80s and 90s, we had like Olympic Olympic trials all the time. Track and field and swimming and diving and all that. Yeah. In, in, in 1988, Flo set the world record in the 100 meters here in town. That's pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Do you remember, did you did you go to any of that stuff, Dan? I did. Yeah. What, what Where was it? Where was everything at? Well, they had, it was uh, Michael A. Carroll Stadium back in the day, right next to the, the natatorium. Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah, that's, that's still cool. the world record today. It hasn't been broken yet. And it happened in Olympic trials. Yep. No kidding. Nineteen eighty-eight. Yeah. Very cool, was, man. Yeah, that was July nineteen eighty-eight, and then the Olympics was, I guess, in August. Well, hey Dan, thanks for checking in, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> that's crazy. Where the first person who called in, um. In the three o'clock hour, mentioned like the World Basketball Championship uh, was rolling through Indianapolis. Like, think about that: Super Bowl, Final Four, College Football Playoff Championship, 
Olympic trials. <laughs> That's pretty crazy, right? That's a greatest hits compilation right there. Uh, by the way, um, I don't know if you guys caught this, but earlier in the day, Stephen A. Smith went in on my Notre Dame fighting Irish. Just crushed them. So the, the concept is this. The conversation was um, the new college football playoff format. It's been unanimously approved a five plus seven model. And that means that the top five ranked conference champions, they're in. And then the seven highest ranked teams, uh, they go in as well. Right. So that's your 12. And so Stephen A. Smith went on this epic rant against Notre Dame football where he's like, why are we talking about them? What have they done? <laughs> that, that was the long and short of it. And look, I'm a, a Notre Dame diehard, and I, I got to admit, I understand partially what he's talking about, but it would be just like uh, the Dallas Cowboys. We still talk about them like crazy. They haven't won since 1995. Stephen A. Smith can't shut up about the Dallas Cowboys. They haven't won since 95 that season. So Notre Dame's a draw. Whether you like it or not, they're a talking point. And they've been relevant. They've been a double-digit win team many seasons. They made it to the college football playoff a couple of times when it's four teams. They made it to the BCS National Championship game against Alabama in 2012 when it's just two teams. They got smoked by four touchdowns, which was brutal. But they're one of two teams left standing. It's not like they're, you know, seven and five year in and year out and just suck. So I, I get some of it. But the other part of it is what made me think of it was I was in Indianapolis for the national championship game between Georgia and Alabama. This was a couple of years ago. Georgia won. Georgia hadn't won a championship for 41 years. They went from 1980 until 2021. And now they've won back-to-back -back titles, and they're one of the best teams in college football. And Right? We get all that. Well, they won. Yeah, they won two in a row before Michigan just won it this past season. But you could play the same game with Georgia. They went longer than Notre Dame between titles. Uh, it's been since 88 for my Irish, it, but it was between 1980 and 2021. That's 41 years. So let me do the math over here. Let's see. Uh, 12. Oh, goodness. It's going to be rough. So let's see. 12. To, sure, carry the ones with 29. So we, we have until like, what, 2029? Got about five more years, roughly, for the Irish, right? Like that would be the same distance between titles Georgia had a 41 year drought so if Notre Dame has a 41 year drought from 1988 we got to get one by 2029 yeah we got five six seasons left not even there yet is <laughs> how it works out but um yeah, he was just he was crushing the Irish today. Absolutely crushing them. Oh, I mentioned I've got some Zach Eady stuff for you. I'll get that to you right around the corner.
couple of interesting nuggets as far as uh, Edie goes. And uh, there's a lot of stuff to go here. I still have an an impassioned plea for college football, something I think they should absolutely do. And Kenny Smith doubled down. We played that for you on his comments about Sabrina Ionescu. Just shoot where women shoot. (laughs) He's like, I meant muscle memory. It's Well, okay. Say that the first time and we wouldn't freak out, you know? There's a guy who doubled down on his comments as well. And so we'll get that to you right around the corner as well. I'm Brian, though, in for JMV. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Are you kidding? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I'm Brian No, In for JMV here on The Fan. You know what that means. Caller 72 gets tickets to Santana. Is that the right number? About it. It's it's a factor of the right number, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Or is it caller 9? That's the one. That's That's, the one. That's it. My bad. I thought it was 72 for a second, but it's it's caller 9. You can go see Santana and the Counting Crows at Ruoff, June 23rd. Get your calls on in here. We'll hook you up. Black Magic Woman. I don't know that much Santana. I think James and I need to have a jam session tomorrow. I said that. I was like, hey, man, you want to bust out the axes tomorrow? And James is like, oh, my amp. And, I, you know, I don't know. I got I to tune the thing over here. And I, I don't know. We got to get this jam session going, you know? My idea for Santana tickets tomorrow is, hey, if you can name this Slayer riff, you get to go see Santana. <laughs> I love Santana, but I don't think I know any of his guitar stuff. I, I need to learn some. I don't know why I haven't. But yeah. Caller 9. We'll hook you up with Santana and the Counting Crows. A real fast check over here. Oh, you know what? I'm not going to waste your time. So James and I were talking about this off air. And I, I want to bring it to you on the air. So I've been throwing this out uh, here and there during the show. What's the biggest moment for any sporting event that's rolled through Indianapolis? Meaning like we just had all-star weekend, not a main stage just here, gone. What's the biggest moment there? The discussion I was having with James is if you just forget about the, the events that have just rolled through town, you just make it anything Indianapolis, okay? What's the biggest moment if you think about it like that? The entire city, any sporting event, 
whether it's a mainstay, whether it's not, what's the top moment? And um, James has very high on the list, maybe number one. He goes with Marlon Jackson picking off Tom Brady. Yeah, he, he took that where obviously AFC championship game, went to the Super Bowl, beat the Bears. Uh, so we're looking for something in Indianapolis. That That's the requirement. It can't be Reggie Miller on the road, in the garden, with all those points in those few seconds, right? It, it at least has to be in Indianapolis. And there are so many freaking moments. I thought about just the Indy 500 also, where some of these legendary moments where Little Al with Emerson Fittipaldi and the wreck toward the end of the race, Danny Sullivan's spin out, and he ends up winning, what was it, the 85, 500? You could go on and on. Then if you bring in the Pacers, right? We had sprinkle a little Colts in there. Any of the high school basketball stuff. There have been so many insane moments. Are you willing to put Marlon Jackson number one on your list there, James? Oh, absolutely. Really? Oh, yeah. If yeah. We're, if we're talking specifically for Indianapolis, uh, I think that is the biggest moment in Pacers, Colts, really just Indianapolis history right there. It's a tough thing because I understand what you're saying. Um, but it's what I was talking about with movies where you might have your top five personal favorite movies. I certainly do. I love uh, The Hangover is one of my top ones. One of my top five personal favorites is Training Day with Denzel. I'm the man up in this piece. (laughs) That's a tremendous movie. I could watch that over and over and over, and I have. Love that movie. But I wouldn't have it on my top five movie list. You know, There's a difference between my personal favorites and what I think are the top five best movies. There's a difference right there. You take your, your personal bias out of it. Where... I can totally understand the Marlon Jackson interception. They finally slayed the dragon that is Tom Brady and the Patriots. They're going to the Super Bowl. It's a huge moment for Indianapolis sports. But if it's anything that has occurred sports-wise in Indianapolis, I mean, it's a lot harder to upstage, I'm going to go to the well yet again, Manning to Manningham. It's the Super Bowl. It's a legendary play in the Super Bowl. Or put it this way. I'll try to meet you halfway, James. Let's say the Colts had that legendary play in the Super Bowl in Indianapolis to, you know, eventually win the game. Could you imagine, um, like, a, a play in the AFC title game upstaging it you know what I mean like if the Colts had Manning to whatever the equivalent of Harrison they had Manning to Harrison instead of Manning to Manningham do you think that Marlon Jackson would be above it you know what I mean Mm -hmm. does that make sense Mm -hmm. it does um and and I and I get your point and I I it is hard to upstage the Super Bowl and like I think specifically for Indianapolis with the criteria of you know Colts Pacers kind of expanding all that 
the Marlon Jackson interception is obviously the biggest moment for Colts history. But I do get your point about this. It is the Super Bowl. You, it's really hard to beat with all the lights on and all the cameras and all the focus and the national attention on Indianapolis, and then having that Mario or the Manning to Mario Manningham throw. So yeah, I, it, what, what what you're saying makes sense to me. Man, I'm trying to think of what you would put at the top of each category. You know, what's the biggest Pacers moment? That occurred at home in Indianapolis. You know, what is the biggest uh, Indy 500 moment? The biggest you could go on and on <laughs> with e- like every subsection, if you will, every subcategory. What would you say is the biggest Pacers moment in, over the year? In recent memory, at least for my memory, because um, a lot of like the Reggie Miller stuff was a little bit before I really started following sports. Maybe one of those, I think, was one of those game sixes against the Heat back in, like, the Paul George era. One of those was at home, if I remember correctly. And I remember watching that with some friends and going crazy when the Pacers managed to win and force the game seven against the Heat to go to the finals in the Eastern Conference finals. I think one of the, that was a game six at home. I'm not 100% certain on that. So, that, at least for me, that might be the biggest moment in recent memory. Yeah, it's funny how it works because moments just become bigger if you advance, you know what I mean? Or you go on to win a championship. Yeah. Right, like the Marlon Jackson thing is a good example. If they went on to the Super Bowl and lost to the Bears, it, it somehow doesn't make the interception against Brady as big. That's just the way it goes. Uh, alternate point on that, though, how big... Because it's already a hugely remembered play, the Devin Hester return for a touchdown to, to open the Super Bowl, and they lost that game. And that game that that is a legendary play. Mm-hmm. Where do you think that play would rank in Super Bowl history if the Bears had won? That oh game? yeah, sure. I, I don't know. It'd be a lot higher <laughs> than compared to them losing. I mean, I think it's already one of the most exciting and maybe one of the greatest plays in Super Bowl history. And they lost the game. It's certainly one of the more talked about plays in Super Bowl history. It. Devin Hester just got into the Hall of Fame, and that could be a big reason why he opened a Super Bowl by taking the kickoff all the way back for a touchdown. You know what? I'm going to go the other way on you, James. I don't know that it would crack the top 20. Really? Yeah. I, I could. You just start thinking of legendary plays over the years in the Super Bowl where it's, gosh, go on and on, where it's um, Santonio Holmes and his game-winning catch. Um, it is... The Philly special. The Philly special. There's, um, I wouldn't put it in the top 20, but even the same game that James Harrison picked six mm-hmm. for 100 yards on <laughs> Kurt Warner. And, and it's I, crazy you start listing these things. And I guess maybe to your point on that, I wonder if that that play is remembered so well because the rest of the game was kind of a slog. I mean, what do you really remember about Super Bowl 41? You remember Devin Hester taking the kickoff back, and you remember Prince playing in the rain, and also yeah. the Colts won. Yeah, um, I'm just looking for some other ones. There's um, this is a great one. The when Steve McNair um, threw it was I think it was Kevin Dyson when he got tackled at the one, one yard, yard line, line. The one yard short. Yeah, yeah. There are a couple of catches that Lynn Swan made way back when where uh, there was a sideline catch, there was a catch, like a deep ball over the middle where he juggled and caught it, and, you know, stuff like that, those type of moments where it's just, you know, I, I don't, 
The Devin Hester play was a great start, a lot of excitement, but... Would would it be in your top 20, top 10 if they had won that game? No. No? No, I still couldn't get it there. It's a great play, but, dude, when you start going through the... I think about the Julian Edelman catch against the Falcons, where it was that weird catch where there are three falcons around him and he he barely keeps it off the ground you know i've tried to forget that game so badly i don't want to think about 28 to (laughs) 3 i'm not even a falcons fan i just don't like the patriots yeah i i get it man i get think about um the controversy involved with not giving the ball to marshawn lynch and russell wilson throwing the interception that so that play that play i think is definitely a top five Super Bowl play, the interception at the goal line. I yeah. think that play without a doubt. Think about the helmet catch with oh, David yeah. Tyree and right? Like so you, you start going through it. There's so many legendary plays. Do you rank the David Tyree helmet catch or the Mario Manningham catches better in terms of Super Bowl plays? I think it's the helmet catch. I mean, listen, I think that I think the helmet catch is just more legendary. Mm-hmm. Because what else rivals that? Helmet catch is more legendary, but I think the throw from Manning to Manningham was one of the best throws you will ever see in the Super Bowl. Absolutely. Could not agree more. Because that that was a great catch by Tyree. That was insane. That was not the greatest pass. (laughs) Well, Eli was just throwing it out of there. He's just throwing it whoever was downfield, get it out of here. Yeah, it was like, they almost, that's the crazy thing, Mike Carey. The lead official, he almost blew that play dead. Well, it would be blown dead, I think, in today's NFL. They would have blown him dead immediately in the grasp or whatever they call it. Yeah. In in, uh, contact or whatever, forward progress, that's what it is. Yeah, you're probably right. How sad would that be? We never would have known that an opportunity was blown to witness the helmet catch because the play was blown dead. Ah, that hurts my football heart right there. But, yeah, I, I can't put... Devin Hester in the top 20. Uh, Very good play. Memorable return, but there are just too many memorable moments. Think of Scott Norwood missing the field goal for the Bills. (laughs) You know, or some of the game winners by Vinatieri. There's just so many moments, man. Way too many. Um, As far as Zach Eady goes, a couple of things here. He'll be on SportsCenter tonight. Kind of cool. Any of the Purdue fans out there are hoops heads. He'll be interviewed. He's scheduled to be interviewed by SVP on Sports Center tonight. That's cool. This is crazy too. The betting line. I'm on a quest to get um James to bet over here, you know, more often. Or let's get him his first bet and then we'll worry about more often. <laughs> right? But uh Zach Eady, the odds to be named, you know, the college basketball player of the year as far as the wooden award goes. So his current odds at BetMGM are minus 5,000. That means you have to risk $5,000 to win $100. That's how huge of a favorite that guy is. So he's going to win it. He's going to win the award. And uh, props to him. It just shows how studly of a season he's had. That's not it for your Zach Eady nuggets. I'll, I'll close out the show with something else here. Let's go to the phones first, though. Eric wants to check in. Eric, you're on the fan. What's going on, man? Hey, not much. Just driving home here on the show. There you go. And, nice. Uh, I got 
I got an event that's probably before our time that blew into Indy and blew right out, never came back. I don't even know if the event's going on, but it started the uh, calling us the amateur capital of the world. It's the Pan Am Games. Oh, wow, yeah, sure. It's, it's, it ranked right up there with uh, World Cup, Super Bowls, maybe nothing. Uh, Indy 500 would have to be my choice. It's such a big event. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's huge, Eric. Thanks for checking in, man. Yeah, listen, I've gone to Indy a number of times, and it's special every single time. But I I don't know that you're going to get 120 million people watching the Indy 500 this year. You know what I'm saying? The the Super Bowl is just – it's the Super Bowl, man. But – Monster events, nevertheless, however the, the list shakes out. Uh, David wants to check in here. David, what's going on, man? You're on the fan. How much? Hey, I got one here. Probably not a very good memory for a lot of people, but the F- Formula One race. We ran around one lap because of tires. Yeah. But yeah. That's kind of the opposite of the good stuff. But... I like I like what you're bringing up, David. Like, what are the the horrible moments? <laughs> I like that too. Like the memorable bad moments. I like I like going down that road too, if you will. Yeah. Well, good show. Thanks, David. I appreciate that, man. Good stuff. Yeah, the tire fiasco. Not great. Not great. It's amazing how huge F1 has become too. The drive to survive phenomenon. <laughs> and then you go back to the, the race at Indy and you're like, yeah, remember the tires didn't work? That's <laughs> just funny how that worked out. Okay. We close it down in style. I've got some Zach Eady fun facts for you. And uh, we'll shoehorn as much good stuff as we can before we get on out of here. I'm Brian No in for JMV. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. All right. Let's take it from the top. The top of what? Name. My name? No, my name. I do not know your name. You play games with me, mister, and you're through. I am? May I go now? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I'm Brian No in for JMV. Here on The Fan. Man, it's crazy. Uh, James and I were talking off air just a minute ago and uh, I love David's call where he was talking about the tire fiasco in the F1 race in Indianapolis we've been talking about the biggest moment in Indy sports history Um, so the conversation has changed a little bit throughout the evening where it started off as just any event that's here and then gone Right in Indianapolis, kind of like All Star Weekend, but since then we've expanded it to just just Indianapolis, right? Just that area. What's the biggest moment? But I love what David was saying because he was talking about sort of the low light, and so it, it brought up another conversation. What, what's the biggest low light moment in indie sports history? Now it's not just indie based teams; it could be any event and any low light. Think of a Super Bowl if there was whatever. There was a pick six in the Super Bowl that happened to be played in Indianapolis. Well, oh, man, that was one of the all-timers right there. The J.R. Hildebrand 
story. When he's in turn four, he's about to win the Indy 500, and whammo, right into the wall. And that didn't happen. That's that's a low light right there. You know? That's Did they ever find out, James, did he just screw it up? Or were they like, eh, his right axle broke, and that's what caused it? You know what I mean? I, there- I, I think there was something mechanical on it, but I don't quote me on that. I'm not a huge auto racing guy, so I'm really yeah. not sure. I hope for Hildebrand's sake, something went wrong with the car. He may, he may have just <laughs> overcooked the turn. I'm not 100% uh, sure on that. That very well could have been the case. I'm just saying, like, make something up if you're the pit crew. Just be like, oh, yeah, loose lug nuts. My bad. Like, that's not your fault. <laughs> steering guy, wheel broke. Yeah, he's going to wrestle with that for years. I had one more turn. I would have won the freaking race. Biggest spectacle in racing, you know? Oh, man. Yeah, so the low lights, we were thinking about that. And we just basically got depressed is what happened, James. When we're talking about missed shots or pick sixes or anything like that. Terrible there, punt formations. Oh, that that was tremendous what you mentioned. One of the biggest lowlights mm-hmm. in against, Indy sports history. Against the Patriots, again. Everything <laughs> happens against the Patriots. <laughs> the fake punt was awesome. I just have audio somewhere of Chris Collinsworth saying, what was the plan? That's <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite pieces of audio. Where he, he was every Colts fan that night. Just what? What are we doing, guys? Oh, I'm trying to remember what happened after that play in that game. Do you remember? Uh, no, I kind of blacked out after that moment. Yeah, I'd have to go back and see. I can't remember off the top of my head. They lost. I know that. Yeah, but where it was a, a fake punt. It's McAfee lined up under center, right? Yeah, McAfee under center. Yeah, and they just tackled him. That was it. I think it was Griff Whalen part of that play too. I don't remember. It's been so long. I've I've burned that play from my memory. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. By the way, the Zach Eady nugget, there are a couple of mock drafts out. ESPN has him potentially being a lottery pick. Drafted 13th by the Kings. A lot can change, but I saw that. I'm like, oh, wow. Nice. Zach Eady getting a little love. Because as far as the NBA, a lot of people look at what he doesn't do instead of what he does do. So I guess there's a little bit of potential he could get into the lottery or maybe the first round right there. Very nice. He'll be on SportsCenter again tonight on SVP. I'd like to check out some Zach Eady action. Good stuff, James. So you bringing in the guitar tomorrow? Huh? I think I'll have to pass. I'll, I'll, I'll look for you to do it, though. Okay, giving away Santana tickets if you can name that Slayer riff. Everybody have a good evening. We'll catch you later. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.